week guys it's been a week the holidays kicked my ass what about you guys uh i, I had a pipe freeze where i was uh Oof. dog sitting oof duh. literal woof yeah mm. that's because of the dog sitting <laughs> yeah i get it. The dog sitting <laughs> i uh i just not the pipe bursting. i'm just I, i'm just beside myself i'm like you know uh, if if people don't want like to discuss the cruel existential futility of all human endeavor then they shouldn't say good morning <laughs> Welcome, God damn it! To you definitely floored both fucking of us. <laughs> showdown episode. Another year of motherfucking Halloween is forever. I'm one of your hosts, Brian. I'm another host, Megan. Not with an H. No, no H's. If you do, honest to God, Meg will f- literally fucking murder you if you put an H in her name. I'm Steve, also without an H. <laughs> Also, no H. I was just about to say that. But what about, what would you spell it? Steven? Yeah, no, actually, it is an H because I do prefer. I was going to say. <laughs> do you, do you do that S-T-E-V-E-N thing? No. That would be weird. One of my poor. Yeah. One of my poor. Oh, guys, we're here. It's the new year. It's our first episode of 20 and 23. 20 and 22. Boy, howdy, went out like a motherfucker, you guys. Wow. Mm-hmm. It was a whole thing. Um, I've just been pulling my hair out. Uh, I told uh, I told these guys before we got on the uh, <clears throat> on the on the old podcast here. I just finished up work just in time, you know, to start recording. And instead of like walking and grabbing a beer out of the fridge and coming up, you know, to, to record, I just grabbed four beers. <laughs> like I, you know kind of I started with four beers. Uh, I'm through one and a half of them currently. I was going to say that you're pulling your hair back and slicking it back, but not because you're getting a comb over situation mm. happening. You mm. know, you just got the Fonz thing going on. No, I haven't lost a hair in my whole life, actually. Um, no, I, 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 I do. Uh, so my, you know, two sides of the family, my mom's side of the family, they all the men do lose their hair very young. Uh, but I take after my dad's side of the family, and my grandfather's 92 years old with just a full, thick, luscious head of white hair. Hell so yeah. luckily, I have not have not lost any hair, and frankly, my hair is is healthier and more luxurious than ever, guys. Um, I also am starting to going for you. Yeah, I'm also starting to look like um, a you know a predator of some sort because it's getting very long and I do just kind of slick it back when I get out of the shower. I did jump in the shower real quick, uh, to just wash this disgusting day off of me. Um, but anyway, uh, guys, uh, greetings and salutations to a new year. And we are jumping into that son of a bitching new year with a little cosmic horror. Yeah. I'm just trying to forget this past year. Mm hmm. Probably actually the last few years, I think I've just definitely blacked out. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like 2022 just, barely happened. A lot. Yeah. 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 You know, I'm just trying to think of like, what are the new year's resolutions going to be this year? Like, I definitely need to be a little bit more active. I was pretty, you know, I started a new job this year. It's been crazy. I haven't been exercising that sort of stuff, but also what else do I want to do? And, uh, my thing is like, uh, drugs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's kind of just what I want to do is is more 
drugs. I think you need to do shrooms this year. Yeah, I wanted to start doing shrooms. Maybe I'll start like microdosing acid. Just like I need to make my brain tolerate my existence. You know what I mean? You know what I mean when I say makes that? Makes sense. I yeah, think, I you know, yeah, I think, no, I think, yeah. And you should like, you should explore like little cocktails for yourselves, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe we don't necessarily talk about beers every episode, but maybe if, you know, Brian decides to go into a K hole. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I'm going to do like, I'm going to start doing Molly like every day, <laughs> you know, that sort of stuff. Like that's my New Year's resolution. <laughs> Can we have one episode where we are all just like fucked up? New Year's resolution number one: kill God. My New Year's resolution every year is to kill God. Yeah, <laughs> and then my second New Year's resolution this year is to just to do Molly every day. But mm. first and foremost, let's keep our eye on the prize. Got to kill God. Yeah, that's the first kill one. Yeah, kill God again. Back I to didn't the know ketamine. That could be a resolution. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually did see a, a t-shirt pop up that I really, really loved. And it was one of those shirts that was like, I wish I thought of it. Mm. Um, and it is a picture of, uh, Dale Earnhardt, senior, you know, Hell the yeah. intimidator himself. Number three, number three, Baby. this is what I, you can't, just can't see me, but I'm holding number three up to the heavens right now. Um, <laughs> but the intimidator, if you ain't rubbing, you ain't racing. Um, and it was just a picture of him, like fist pumping and it had like in a nascar kind of font it said it's a great day to kill god oh my god <laughs> and i was like that's a fucking masterful shirt did you buy it i didn't Please i should have i should have i'm gonna i'm gonna um but in any case guys you know what? That, what? You know, that's my that's my 2023 resolution is to yeah. get us on uh shirts that go hard twitter or yeah, instagram fuck, yeah. whichever one of those Sure, it's gonna, a go hard. It's a great date. I'm yeah. going to design us something that'll get us on there. That's my 2023. I like that. I like that a lot. It's a good goal. I like goals that like instigate other people. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like it's not a goal for good per se. And mm. nobody said resolutions have to be that. No, it doesn't have be, to be for good. They can be bad. They can be evil. They should yeah. be maybe. But I mean, at the same time, I mean, they've got to be good for for you and mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah, it can be chaotic, good. Yeah, yeah, but um, it could be chaotic neutral. That's fine. It could be cha- full on. I actually, I I'm gonna take a stance right now, guys. I think every person should have two New Year's resolutions every year: one good, one evil. Mm. You know? Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe you alternate odds and evens. Mm. Oh <laughs> so it's like, but kill God is always on there because right. I think that goes into both categories. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's both good and evil. But you know, mm. so like mm-hmm. number one, kill God. But if it's an odd year, do something evil. If it's an mm. even year, I don't know, donate to St. Jude's or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. And then if it's an odd year, steal from St. Jude's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And if it's, you know, even year, give money to Sarah McLaughlin's puppies. Odd year. <laughs> odd year. Just. No. <laughs> Meg's not going to tolerate. Wing a bag of cats into the river. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, All right, I think I'm done with the episode, guys. I'm out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Winner by default. <laughs> <laughs> Undefeated. Flawless victory. Um, all right, guys, what do you got beers? Do we got beers? I've already expressed that I have four beers. And you know what? I felt this to be appropriate because I am drinking um, Pilsner Cal, which, you know, when we started doing the podcast, you know, we dubbed 
my office, which we often record in as crypto kale, because I do have a lot of Pilsner kale memorabilia and things. Um, and you know what, for the getting in January, getting back to our roots, which is chugging Pilsners, killing God, you know, talking about spooky shit. Right. So I'm, 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 I'm cleansing myself getting back to your in, roots, bud. Yeah. I'm cleansing myself in the, um, the blood of Tubi, which is Bill's Urkel. I don't know. <laughs> um, what do you guys think? That's drinking? actually how you get baptized, right? Mm -hmm. I dunk, think that's how that works. Dunk yep. myself. I go to the Czech Republic. Uh, I, you know, strip down naked. I get like whipped with a bunch of birch branches or whatever the fuck they do over there. <laughs> and, and then when my, when my, when my, when my little hairy butt is just glowing red by getting spanked with birch branches, I dip it into a bath of Pilsner Cal and cleanse all my sins. That's what I do every January. It's a tradition. Every January. I would definitely subscribe to that religion for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. uh, you have a nice baklava yeah, afterwards. Guys, Yes. <laughs> uh well one of my buddies the one that i dog sat for he actually went to wisconsin mm. when he was away oh. so he picks me up some spotted cow oh, yeah. i gave him a list i was like whatever you can find mm -hmm. but at a minimum spotted cow would be sick or some some other like flagships yeah. so i got some spotted cow i mean i do have an icy light also i know you me, do so, we I mean, know you do typical shit you show. don't even have to say it <laughs> we knew you do i could see i could see the reflection of it in your eyes like you know cartoon <laughs> characters like when they like fall in love they get hearts for eyes when you're around yeah. an icy light i see an iron city can in your eyes even through zoom yeah at this point i, I think understand yeah i think at this point icy light is like the holy ghost uh, on this show like <laughs> we know it's just there and omnipresent we're not really sure what it does but we know it's there it's there yeah it gets yeah. me drunk that's what it's saying it keeps me entertaining mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah weirdly enough who who was i who was i just talking to oh my gosh so one Bob of my <laughs> no one of my friends were just talking about oh my uh uh, my cousin's girlfriend, who she's she's lovely. She's she's uh, they she's from New York City. Right. So she like born and raised in New York City. They met uh, when he lived where in Colorado, I think. Anyway, they moved to Wisconsin together for her like graduate program, whatever. They just moved back to Pittsburgh a few months later or a few months ago. Rather, she is an iron city girl. like she's obsessed with iron city like we go to just a like we'll go to a bar like a cocktail bar and or like something that's our craft beer bar and she'll be like you guys have iron city and they'll be like i see she'll be like i, I see light she'll be like no iron city like she wants the full flavor iron city and, and like have you met her it's just like it's not I like her already oh she's great but it's just like you wouldn't guess that about her but she just okay it's her all-time favorite beer now that's all she drinks is iron city She's like brand loyal. She's lived here for like three months. It's, it's great. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I, I mean, they do have an attractive brand. I mean, and yeah. then how else can you integrate yourself into Pittsburgh culture mm. besides drinking Iron City? Well, you, you know, know what? The funny thing is, it's it. like she's she's a little younger. She's she's in her late 20s, I guess. So she's a little bit younger, um, you know, young, stylish woman. And all and all the other people in my life that exclusively drink Iron City like my one friend uh Billy who is a who is one of my football coaches growing up who has like a marine haircut wears you know uh cargo shorts year round 
<laughs> like <laughs> he's also drinks only Iron City. You know yeah. what I mean? But he's the guy you would expect to drink only Iron City. You know, right. like f- f- yeah, the f- Hank Hill types. Fifty you know, year old. Too. Yeah, he looks like Hank Hill, but like jacked. That's kind of what he looks like. <laughs> like if Hank Hill was yoked, that's what he looks like. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's what you expect an Iron City drinker to look like. But you know what? Shame on me for 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 pigeonholing. You know, times are changing, Brian. <laughs> the times they, they are look changing. They like me, and they look like your cousin in law. Yeah, yeah. Future is female, Brian. <laughs> I, I know. It's just. <laughs> It's it's weird because like if it was a good beer I'd be like oh cool right <laughs> you're but a jerk far be it from me I right? hope your daughters grow up to drink Iron City you're such your goddamn <laughs> 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 I mean there's like no there's like no way they won't grow up to drink Plankenback oh, yeah, and that's will. just they as like chip chopped ham. no they're gonna drinking all the bullshit that you guys talk about but like yeah. the five dollar liquors that you guys bring up mm-hmm, man mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what do you got steve what are you drinking oh yeah i'm also drinking a beer i have a lost fucking swedish fish fucking no, slushy no. bullshit <laughs> no it's good i think no no don't make fun he's acting don't hurt. he's acting he's act- He's acting like he's all offended, like he doesn't drink that <laughs> shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, I'm being I good. I do have a beer that I'll tell you about after this. Oh, nice. You like, but uh, yeah, no, it's just it's just Lawson's Mad River Maple. That's all. Oh yeah, I like Lawson's a lot. Yeah, there yeah, you go. I saw you looking Sipisa. at the date. Yeah, I was looking at the date. It tastes a little off, not like mm. terribly off. It's just like it's a little off, but mm. it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Like oxidized, little well, oxidized. A little bit. Yeah. 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 Not yeah, terrible. I though. love Sip of Sunshine's great. I love their what's their pills called? Something Mountain Pills. Dang. Mm. I'm forgetting it right now. I just had some of that a little bit ago. It's like kind of a a, a a silly name. Something Mountain Pills. Like I don't know. I'm gonna butcher it. That but might I, it, I, that I, might just be it. <laughs> just mountain pills. No, it's called like Scrumple Mountain Pills or oh. some bullshit. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just making that, but it's something like it. But yeah, I always am a big fan of that. I always like Lawson's. Yeah, it's not bad at all. But yeah, I just figured... I had to grab the can so I could remember what the brewery was that I was going to tell you. I have a yeah, what, what scrag, scrag Mountain Pills, not Scrumple. Uh, <laughs> scrumple. Yeah, that's that sounds like fucking like a candy cane whatever yeah. bullshit. <laughs> yeah, Chunky Mountain Pills. Chunk Mountain Pills. Chunky. Oh man, chunks are tasty things um my buddy also brought me back an ecto cooler beer oh boy that, from mm. eagle park mm. kind of excited i mm. haven't tried it yet see as, as i should save it as somebody I guys i no. would say no drink <laughs> that's probably sour isn't it <laughs> <laughs> i actually can't tell see i love any type of like nostalgic stuff and i do love um like I like sweet drinks. I didn't grow up like a sweet drink. I'm not like a big like soda drinker growing up. But in my, as, as I've gotten like into my late 30s, I think I've like started to really like sugary drinks more. I don't know why. <laughs> which is not a good not a good uh, trajectory Should there. This be my beer number two. Yeah, give it a go. Here, hold it up. Let me look what it says. It literally says Ecto Cooler. Just l- l- changed the C's to K's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that thing's gonna be green, right? Yeah, there's definitely uh, notations for TTB on yellow number five. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
And yeah. Is it like, is it a, is it a sour? I assume it's sour because Voodoo makes okay, a lacto we're talking, cooler. But I'm just going to open it mm-hmm. so we okay. can look at it and we'll sure. talk about it. Let's sure. do it. Let's do it. Yeah, because Voodoo makes the lacto cooler and that one's. Yeah, that's what it is. In the meantime, <laughs> uh, let's talk about what we're going to accomplish today while Meg's pouring this weird beer. For those of you who are new to the show, let's say perhaps this is your first episode. Welcome. Right? Where you fucking been, you dork? Meg, that's literally disgusting looking. Because it's cloudy. What is happening? Meg, that's a glass of boogers. It is neon. Like Meg is in like a dimly lit kitchen and it's glowing in the dark. I'm going to take a picture and I'll send it. You can post it. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, Anyway, uh, if this is your first show, like I said, welcome, but also like get your shit together where the fuck have you been this is what we do every single we every single week we get a new episode that comes out but every first monday of the month we do a showdown episode and what we do is we get topics that some of them we come up with some of them are suggested to us by our listeners and social media friends but we put them on this big old spinny wheel right um and they could be subgenres they could be you know things that are time sensitive you know to the to the particular time of year whatever we pull three of them off that old spinny wheel once a month. We put them out there on the social medias and then our social media friends and listeners vote to figure out what topic we're going to do for our showdown episode. Once we have that topic, we each pick a, a, a flick that is associated with that topic. Then we watch all three of the flicks and we each argue about why, you know, one is superior to the other. We you know, people get mad. People end up going over to the turnbuckle, taking the padding off, smacking somebody's face off the bare turnbuckle. Um, you know, somebody ends up getting, you know, jackhammered or, you know, the old Goldberg spear or something like that. Ultimately, one person takes home the son of a bitchin strap that championship belt for the month. And then we do it all over again the next month. So, this particular showdown episode, our social media friends and listeners, and if you want to follow us on social media, go ahead and search Halloween is Forever on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and Tiggy Talkie and all that sort of thing. Uh, and you will find us on there. It's like at Halloween is Forever, typically speaking. If you want to help us vote or suggest topics. This month, they picked Cosmic Horror. So I feel like Cosmic Horror may be something that we should establish like maybe the 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 average um film fan that's not a hardcore horror nerd or something like that may not necessarily know what constitutes cosmic horror is that fair to say or am i am i am i shortchanging people here no i think it's like a little bit of a nebulous subgenre yes uh, but you know the, i feel it, like is the least intelligent on the like the topics of subgenres like i was like okay i got to go google just the what would constitute this mm-hmm. and i think i said on the last episode that i was like i knew way more movies and i was actually way more excited mm-hmm. right because i knew more movies under the subgenre yeah. but i you know a lot of them we can kind of break it down a little bit you know there's like some hp lovecraft vibes usually mm-hmm. some sort of like existential like going on you know mm-hmm. but it, it seems to like vary like it doesn't necessarily mean 
space. Right. No, no. And I think that's what people confuse it with. They think cosmic and they think, what do I think when I think of cosmic? I think of cosmic bowling. I think of black lights. I think of dirty carpets. I think, think of, of neon. Yeah, that beer. That's what I think of. And actually, Meg, that is a remarkably uh, um, oh my God. Uh, apropos beer, actually, for, for Cosmic For work. your movie. Yeah, yeah, that too. I didn't even think about that. My God. Um, anyway, it literally <laughs> looks like Reagent in a fucking glass. It yep. um, But anyway, uh, yeah, but it's it's not really that. It's, it's more about, yeah, existential knowledge, usually something that is bigger and broader and dwarfs the human experience to us in a sense that like it is information like information is learned or discoveries happen that are beyond the normal scope of human existence and throws like Mm -hmm. people into the deep end of uh, the cosmos if you will Um, and it usually drives at least somebody mad yeah, there's one, usually yeah. someone mm-hmm. going nuts with with and his this name forbidden. Sam yeah, it's often Just. his name is often Sam. Is that that person's often played by Sam Neil? Um, <laughs> there's oftentimes some sort of like um, like grandiose scientific discovery. That's a pretty typical mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, theme in cosmic horror. Um, and there is oftentimes some sort of like breach between what is real and what isn't mm-hmm. and and like what is actually happening and what is only happening within somebody's ex, you know given existence or brain or whatever what i think is cool about our three movies though is i think we have a good spectrum mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. like you know mine going from literal like space mm-hmm. to we have like very earthbound science driven thing to very existential, just like crazy fucked up things happening with mm-hmm. Steve's and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, I think it'll be a cool episode. Yeah. Though, I, I would say that cosmic horror is most closely associated with the works of HP uh, Lovecraft, but not always. Um, but mm-hmm. he is certainly the most well-known kind of cosmic horror writer, I would say. Um, anything else fuck with your brain yeah anything else for it's and and they do a lot of like unknown type of stuff like Mm -hmm. like uh, like incomprehensible horror that is like beyond the human existence and is just like torturing to the brain kind of thing so um Mm -hmm. anyway uh anything else i'm forgetting i think that's the general consensus of what cosmic horror is right yeah yeah that's pretty good Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. There's always Frank some like fear. I, oh, I would say the other thing that's big is like the fear of the unknown or the unknowable, mm-hmm. maybe, right? Perhaps. Yeah, that that mm-hmm. what isn't known and that what shouldn't be known <laughs> shouldn't be known or can't yeah. be known or mm-hmm. yeah, like I said, outside the scope of of human existence. Okay, so that being said, um, the movies that we're going to talk about, I, your boy, back to back champ, to to going for the three P. Right. Even though it's bleeding into a new calendar year, going for that fucking three P guys. Um, it, I chose, you know, I would say one that's probably one of the hallmarks of uh, actually, I think we probably all three of us did. I would say all three of these movies would probably mm-hmm. be considered among the, uh, uh, you know, maybe even the the um, 
Mount Rushmore of cosmic horror, or if maybe if mm-hmm. there was several other faces on Mount Rushmore, but it, they're all up there. If you Google cosmic horror, you'd probably come up with, you know, these three movies would probably come up in there. Mm-hmm. There's multiple I, faces on the Mount Rushmore and you cannot determine how many there are. <laughs> no, no, it's impossible to know what faces are on the Mount Rushmore of cosmic horror. And if you look into the face of any one of those figures, you will go mad. And um, Teddy Roosevelt. You also see multiple other faces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the faces within the faces, and yeah, it's yeah. different faces to different people. And also, the mountain doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. All right, so <laughs> so I did uh, Reanimator, classic Stuart Gordon, Brian Usna joint Reanimator, starring one Mister Jeffrey Combs. Um, Meg, tell us about what your flicky is. I chose again a classic of event event horizon mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Well, mr sam spooky, neil yeah, oh yeah yeah we got mm-hmm. we got two for two on uh sam mm-hmm. neil tonight mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i almost picked jurassic park just to make it just to make it no actually <laughs> uh, <pretty> close. <laughs> i i mean there might makes, be an the, argument for between that between these two and in the mouth of madness john carpenter's in the mouth of madness like those are three of the like for whatever reason sam neil is in a lot of cosmic horror flicks for whatever reason. I just didn't realize, sorry to cut this off of like, I didn't realize how much I think I like this subgenre and mm-hmm. how, like for how many movies that I've actually watched that it fits everything that I've been, lo- I look for now in horror that like I personally like mm-hmm. really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think, I think the reason why he probably pops up in cosmic horror so much is like is the movie I'm doing possession from 1981 mm-hmm. is like, he said it was mm-hmm. like one of his favorite films to do. Yeah. Even though it was like, oh, yeah. it was like totally crazy and taxing for him to do like mm-hmm. both him and his co-star both said like it was one of the hardest films they've ever done, even though they were like super young at the time. I can't imagine the, well, we'll get into it, but those performances are so wild in that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I do feel like Sam Neill lends himself to these kind of almost art housey themes really well, which is Mm -hmm. interesting because when people think Sam Neill, they think of like one of the biggest blockbuster movies of the last, you know, half century, which is Jurassic Park. But in reality, a lot of the stuff he's in is very esoteric art housey type of stuff, but yeah, mildly dark. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh in yeah. Own way. Like in a different world, like in a different timeline, Sam Neill is like William Defoe or Christopher Walken. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He still has time. Uh, I think. He? I think. I think he's happy. <laughs> he been acting still. Oh yeah, Sam he Neill? was just in oh, the yeah. latest Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. And he was oh. in some Western not that long ago. He's great. He's fantastic. Love yeah. Sam Neill. Yeah. I just didn't know what he was still doing now as far as like he probably could still find a movie like a movie like this and do it. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, he could yeah. probably. Yeah, he would probably play a smaller part. Horizon the physicality sequel. of the role, especially possession. Like we'll get it. I'm getting ahead of myself. Mm-hmm. But so let's get into that. So again, as the back to back defending champ, I get to pick the order in which we talk about some of these goddamn flickies. So I actually, because, and this is, this is maybe at my, um, this is maybe at my own detriment, but I do want to talk about possession. Um, so I do want to, because we're already kind of getting into it and stuff like that. So let's talk about possession. Let's split up the Sam Neils. Let's talk about possession with Steve first, then I'll get into reanimator and then we'll, we'll follow it up, uh, with Meg doing, um, uh, uh, event horizon. 
save the best for last you know mm -hmm. you're, you're setting it up all right see let's get into it let's talk about that movie you got yeah so 1981 possession uh directed by oh boy polish name it's gonna be hard uh indrez no. zulwalski sure that's that's the best i can do uh but it stars sam neill and his co-star for the film uh playing anna is isabel ajani and mm -hmm. she is a french actress mm-hmm so this film is just kind of wild in the way it's put together. And this, it was a movie that actually got, it, it was a UK film, but it was filmed in West Berlin. So there's a lot of like full on like cold war themes that we see through it. They're not the most heavy weighing themes, but it adds to uh, just kind of the overall story. But because it was a UK film and from the 80s it was originally banned as one of the video mm. nasties yep so it mm. was banned in uk uh was not well received them yeah was not well received other places and when it came to the u.s it was cut down from two hours to like 85 minutes so mm. to wow that movie would be very confusing at 85 minutes yeah <laughs> but I, I could only imagine they'd probably only take out like the best parts you know Mm -hmm. that right. I'm sure we'll dive into but I, I feel like that's like, like the, the squid best thing fucking. we can do <laughs> like the squid fuck uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean it's it's hard to imagine like taking anything out of this film as as long as it is as big as it is it it is always building upon itself so to remove like over a half hour of stuff you're you're gonna be making like crazy jumps in there so i couldn't imagine what that mm -hmm. cut is but yeah it's yeah it obviously was not favorable because most people haven't really seen this film they haven't really heard of it it's kind they of hard to find yeah that's the other thing oh, it was yeah. like How it was hard to find where'd you guys end up watching it i ended up finding it uh where did i end up watching it is it still on metrograph i thought you said last episode you had a vhs of it mm, i don't i don't oh, okay i looked i don't i thought i did but i don't <laughs> Yeah, that would have been a rare find. I just didn't mm -hmm. know if that was like a yeah. rare collector's thing you had. No, I thought I did, but I don't. Yeah. I have a recipe of cookies that... <laughs> ah, yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> that I may have, you know, been squirreled away on a hard drive for a long time. But. <laughs> this goes on and off YouTube because I remember I watched on YouTube a while ago and then maybe like only maybe a year in the last couple of years, I went back to watch it again. Mm hmm. And it wasn't on YouTube, and now it is again. Yeah. So I think it goes up and down off YouTube. Yeah, it goes up and down off YouTube and like other, you know, less spurious sites. Uh, and mm -hmm. then, but we talked we talked about it last episode. It will be going on Shutter on January fifth. So oh, nice. Oh wow. Yeah. If for some reason, yeah, That's you haven't cool. seen it, check it out there. But uh, yeah, let's yeah definitely watch it. Yeah. Let's get into the movie itself. Uh, like I said, the story, it takes place in Cold War, uh, West Berlin. Um, but it, it's never like really leaned upon it, with the exception of when they're uh, showing from Sam Neill's apartment. He can see the border wall. He can see, you know, the, the separation between East and West Berlin from his house. Mm -hmm. And this mm -hmm. also plays into his character because Sam Neill is a spy who is returning home from a mission and his uh, wife has become very erratic. Uh, his wife, Anna, is she's erratic and it appears that she's become unfaithful to him. She's uh, she's what I would call wiling out. 
Yeah. <laughs> she is, she is for it, sure so wilding out. <laughs> so a couple of notes that I will make first just on the scene that I feel like I love how great this movie is. It, it like literally just paints this like not I hate using the word gloom because it's not really the right word that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. But there's just always the sadness to like just the way the color the color is in the film. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I don't. I don't know if you remember over the summer when I first watched this film. I think I mentioned it too specifically because the beginning of this film, like probably for the first 45 minutes were insanely triggering to me Mm. because like your take being like, Oh, this lady's wiling out where I'm like, no, this dude's kind of just like a neglectful piece of shit who just like hasn't really taken care of his family mm-hmm. and mm. he's and she's like I'm not happy and I'm like you know she granted she's not going about it I think the best way but like she's like I'm not happy here I'm 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 gonna leave right and yeah yeah there's a lot of like, fault no. in all directions yeah it was sure sure we understand that but yeah I just felt like that that control that he was initially and we'll dive more into it I'm yeah. sure but I was like uh it was so tense for me mm-hmm. and yeah. it just that was like the fear aspect that was like scary to yeah. start. This and, 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 and like, that's what, like, that's the way this film almost pulls a misdirect because in the beginning, Sam Neill is so over the top. And like you're saying, Meg, like he's so controlling of Anna and she mm-hmm. doesn't have much response to the way he's mm-hmm. behaving. Like he's just like fully unhinged, losing his shit. Yeah. He's trying to figure out like, who she's cheating on him with. Mm-hmm. She's trying to figure out like, when did it start? Who is it? Where's he at? You know, what am I supposed to do? I'm not going to take the kid. I want the kid. You can't take care of the kid. I want the kid. I don't yeah. want the kid. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they have and a son, he, by the another way, control yeah. move, another control. That, that's exactly how I saw it. too. Mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah. And, and like, you're supposed to follow it that way. And like, that's kind of like the first half hour of the film is like just Sam Neill having all these unhinged moments. Uh, I mean, one of the better ones, you know, just acting wise and just, you know, also it's darkly funny is when he insists on her meeting him at a restaurant to kind of lay <laughs> out and hash out, you know, how are they going to split things up? <laughs> how, how are things going to work? Yeah. And y- you get a lot of great framing um, just, just the way the film is shot, you know, again, like Meg said, there is a lot, like a lot of gloom, just everything is gray and like depressing and sad. Uh, it doesn't bother you if you're from Pittsburgh, but you know, you get it, <laughs> but it's weird because the, the vision, like visually, like the color palette and the background, the settings are all very gray. It reminded me of in the Rankin Bass special, which I just watched because it was just Christmas time, uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. Where mm-hmm. they go to Somber Town, you know okay. that's like the with the Burger Meister Meister Burger and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of Somber Town a little bit, mm-hmm. which is definitely this like. Now that's more of like a World War One maybe era type of thing, but it reminds me of that type of setting. But then, interestingly enough, the shots and the performances are super dynamic, almost not not almost. To a point where it is obviously a clear directorial decision. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah like we, we didn't talk about it yet too much, but like this film does fall to the surrealist side. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, aside from just like the cosmic horror elements, like the, the performances are purposely over the top. 
Yeah. And again, like you were saying, Brian, like the way it's dynamically filmed, like there are so many steady cam shots. Uh, there's an early scene where Sam Neill is meeting with his handlers at the spy agency. Yeah. And it is just like this wildly rotating they're, yeah, uh, they're just circling. The camera's like circling yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of them has a goddamn eye patch. It's great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so camp. But then like also the room is very empty. Mm-hmm. It's just for one reason or another. It's just a table in the corner of the room with these four supervillains as Sam Neill is giving an exit interview <laughs> yeah. and the camera is circling around them. But yeah, it seems mm-hmm. like David Lynch. It's like it's almost it almost reminds me of a racer head in a lot of weird ways. Mm-hmm. Like the way it's shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously not visually, but just the way it's shot and the, I don't know. It just reminds me of like a David Lynch or, or even like a, it's like if David Lynch did like a collaborated with Bill Burroughs or something like mm-hmm. on a, mm-hmm. on a romantic drama. <laughs> well, like, I don't know if you guys felt this way and like the best word I could use is like it, it and, and you, surreal is like a great way to use it, but it, it feels continuously like a caricature. Like everything is just so much bigger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it aids in this dramatization, but also throwing you off on like that thought of what is real versus what is not. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that this movie does insanely well. Yeah. And, and I think, I don't know how, like how intentional this, uh, this aspect would be to the way I'm going to put it. But so we're talking about a UK West Berlin production mm-hmm. with Sam Neill, who's from New Zealand, the actress is from France. The director is from Poland. Uh, you know, and they're putting all of this together. And the way everything is filmed and act acted is like in a way that somebody who doesn't speak the language could watch and still get mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. what's going on. Just like yeah. with the way how everything is big, the way everybody's behaving, and then like the way things are framed. Because back to this restaurant scene that I wanted to talk about just for a second is like when Anna comes in, she doesn't sit at the table that Sam Neill's sitting at, uh, who plays Mark. Mm-hmm. Anna doesn't sit at Mark's table. She sits catty corner to him, and they're both facing away with from each other. And so just the framing mm-hmm. tells you right away that they are in disagreements. They are not. Mm-hmm. You know, they are not on the I, same page. I took that as like she was. I remember the first time I watched this, I thought we were going to learn she was a spy, too, mm-hmm. because they're mm. meeting like spies would. Right. In exactly. Yeah. You Interesting. know, and, and like and that's kind of like you get again, you know, for us who have seen the movie before, we know where it goes. But, you know, on a first watch you get led down those paths because yeah. you, you at first it's like, Oh, she's, you know, infidelis, you know, but you learn that like, she's not with the person that she was cheating on him with. She's somewhere else. And where is she at? And like the whole time he's looking out the window at the border wall. It's like, mm-hmm. Oh, is she uh, an agent for, did she become an agent for the East while he was yeah. away? Well, cause you there's know? also mm-hmm. like people watching him and shit. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's so like, like, yeah, you get led down like these spy thriller, you know, things and, you know, uh, uh, jumping ahead to like worst detective in the world, you know, <laughs> you, you get it like a spy chase almost, yeah. but it's like the worst spy chase ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like the least incognito thing ever. Just yeah. Like, yeah. 
but um just so just to finish up this restaurant scene like it ends with you know sam neil just basically losing his shit on anna and he's throwing tables he's tossing tables and it's the most over the top you know reaction <laughs> the chefs all come and then, out and yeah, tackle the, him and shit. yeah the entire <laughs> the entire back of house comes and tackles him and it's well, just, all with their white coats and hats and everything it's just like so over the top yeah it turns it, into like so a funny. Monty python sketch almost or something yeah it's it's so funny it's so over the top like that's where you really get introduced to these like over the top behaviors uh, the, the next one that really sticks out to me is Mark comes home and he finds his son is like just covered in jam mm-hmm. and, you know, is like has been by himself all day, which mm-hmm. now like leads Mark down this path of like, oh, well, like she's so neglectful of her family. It's not just me. Mm-hmm. She's now neglecting my son and her son. Mm-hmm. And that leads to the very next scene of him in the rocking chair. And I don't know Rock what it is. Like, yeah. Wait, if if I remember correctly in this scene too, he wasn't supposed to be there in a sense. Like he just kind of just showed up. Right. Like, yeah. If I remember. Yeah, yeah. So like <clears throat> it felt like almost this like gaslighting scene in a sense. In, in and, a, yeah. In like, a way. Like because it was right after the restaurant scene where he said he wasn't going to be around Bob anymore. But then he does just right. show up at the house. Right. Like Bob doesn't know that he's not supposed to be there, but it is like a recurring theme throughout the entire film that like Sam Neill just won't give up. And he yeah. he is constantly going to his actions, his actions are going to constantly be the opposite of what he says, because he, he always seems to have like these little moments of clarity of like, oh, I can think better now. I know what I have to do. I know what has to be done. Mm-hmm. And then he just like fucking wows out and does some crazy shit that like he like goes back to stalking or goes back yeah. to you know <laughs> yeah and and like in that scene specifically too it's like it like in a sense you like want to also believe Anna like you want to mm-hmm. you I or I wanted to believe that like what she was saying because if I remember correctly here that like someone was supposed to be there and they just like didn't show up or something like that or she had to like go to work or whatever it was and then he just showed up and it's just like caught in a unfortunate situation and this these type of things i think continuously happen where allows him to like control the narrative Mm -hmm. in a lot of sense throughout this film i'm I'm getting a little bit ahead but i'd like to discuss it more as we go down is like this is the first time i like you know, I, I think it's the third time I've seen the movie or maybe it's only the second, but obviously I paid attention like I knew it was coming. So, you know, I could pay attention right. a little closer and I didn't realize when I watched it before how much everything is from Sam Neill's perspective, mm-hmm. like to the point where it almost makes you question. Not just the big, crazy shit that happens later when really shit hits the fan but like you, you earlier in the movie you're like well is this really the reality or are we just seeing it through it's like jacob's lottery almost you know what i mean like is right, this just yeah. in his brain mm-hmm. um, right. yeah i i would say probably the first uh maybe 40 all the way up until he gets the film reel mm-hmm. it is like it's really from sam neil's perspective but then like there's a solid three or four scenes right in a row that are all from Anna completely switches. Yeah. That's the one thing about this movie. That's I think probably why it doesn't have people who have seen this. People who love this movie, love this movie. Hell yes. Like, we fucking <laughs> love this movie. 
Um, mm-hmm. Like I've seen this on people's lists of like their favorite horror movies of all time. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it has as wide of an appeal because of one, it's just like a very hard to follow narrative in general. Mm-hmm. But also it's constantly not just questioning reality or like introducing, you know, elements of a unreliable narr- narrator, but it's also constantly like intentionally contradicting itself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even with shots, like not just what people do and say. Sam Neill's always contradicting himself with his actions versus what he says. I mean, they both are. But even like certain scenes where you see something and then there's a cut and you see something totally different. And mm-hmm. you're like, who, who is seeing what? You don't know. Right, right. Which is what I think I liked was like, again, the exaggeration or caricature I think of like when you're possibly like going through divorce, which again, why this was so triggering to me, which if um, be clear and um, of like everything always ends up going to the extreme because you're like stuck in your own brain and your own emotions. And mm-hmm. so I think that's exactly what this was like portraying was like, again, this exaggeration, but like so very real and intense. Yeah. And, um, I, I don't know. Meg, did you look up, uh, did you look up anything about this movie or, or know that like the director wrote this while he was getting divorced himself? Or did mm, you, were you aware I of that? I feel like maybe we did. We, I, I feel why it's somehow triggering. Like maybe it's, yeah, it's like not something. Like, I don't. Yeah, it's not something we talked about on the show. But I don't know if you knew that about I, it. It just sounds like Deja. Like maybe I knew that, but I actually don't think I knew that. Okay. But yeah, that makes total sense. Which again, this is like on point for every ounce of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah. It, this was something he wrote like while he was going through his own divorce, and apparently it was rather messy. So, like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's why. You know, so but I think it's a cool, it's it's a really cool, like almost literal painting. Like, uh, like if I watch this it, this movie, if it was then turned into a painting, I could like watch the chaos and the emotions like within mm-hmm. it. Like that's what this movie came off to me as. Um, and I think it does it really well. Yeah, and I think like all the points you guys are hitting so far, as far as like if you didn't understand, um, like what the plot was you could still understand but it also kind of reminds me of like almost a theater production of like oh just yeah like something being a little bit more uh yeah. flamboyant of sorts so many of the scenes are like read like a stage play mm-hmm. yeah yeah like the ones in the kitchen and stuff and i yeah. mean just tons of them you know yeah 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 a lot of it is like it's obviously projecting to the back of the house but you know we're just watching it on film <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh that one, it's that wants me to jump forward to the scene. This is after Sam Neill has confronted Heinrich. Uh, <laughs> Which Heinrich, Heinrich we, rules. He's Heinrich rules. A- <laughs> uh, but like so Sam Neill discovers that uh, he discovers who Anna's lover is. Uh, is this guy named Heinrich? He's like this kind of hippy dippy new age guy. Uh, he's all about like seeing god through sex and you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. taking he's drugs like, he's like 60 year old like europe uh no he's like 60 year old russell brand almost or oh something. yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah he's total euro trash total his shirt's always open you know i was but he's surprised also like a fucking ninja I mean, like <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i'd be into this, it too meg would <laughs> <laughs> but so th- this is after Sam Neill's confronted him for the first time and like Sam Neill is the back in the apartment and Anna is with Bob and they 
they just start out fighting again and like he is trying to get some sort of reaction out of her he's he's trying to get her to you know give either give up on heinrich or give him what he wants in some way and she just she just doesn't seem to be you know uh, movable in any direction uh-huh. and so he starts slapping the shit out of her mm-hmm. and this is probably one of the hardest lines in the movie uh but like he's slapping her and he goes this is for all the lies and yeah. then just like through gritted teeth and spitting out blood she's like then you'll need more and it's oh, like yeah. jesus christ that's oh, fucking yeah. so tough yeah, she went so hard on that line yeah it was a great yeah. line the performances yeah. in this are incredible but especially and you said with the 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 um the actor's name what's her name um isabel uh, uh, Johnny, uh, uh, Johnny, yeah, Johnny. Yeah. Holy shit, what a performance! Yeah, mm-hmm. and and multiple parts because she plays multiple characters, which we'll get into. But oh, yeah, so as yeah, so insane. as uh, as uh, I don't want to say poorly received, but just as like as small the audience was in the eighties for this film. Uh, this film did debut at Con, uh, and she did win Best Actress that yeah, year. That's not surprising. So, Makes yeah. total sense. So yeah. it, it did get its it did get its accolades in the day, but it just yeah. it just didn't hit the audience because yeah, there was so many. I, I could see this movie being a commercial bomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is For unfortunate because sure. yeah, yeah, because it's like artsy as fuck. Like if this was produced now or even possibly rated, it'd be completely like art house type. Well, and it's also like again. kind of a hard watch. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of Jacob's Ladder. The more I think about, it, the more it reminds me of Jacob's Ladder. It's not a mm-hmm. movie you're gonna throw on for fun in the afternoon. Like, no. it is a it is a <laughs> this isn't a comfort film. No, it I mean is maybe a maybe movie. I you know I am gonna go back to therapy soon. So like you know mm-hmm. maybe I'll watch it before again before I sure. Uh, go back. <laughs> so open up every wound drudge yeah. up mm. every sort of wound i got going on Sch- you know? schedule a special like three hour session with your uh you know, therapist and be like two hours we're gonna watch this movie and then discussion <laughs> afterwards <laughs> but so what did you think yeah <laughs> so Do what you did you see the correlation between what i've talked to you for the past three years okay and then too. the therapist is just shooting milk and blood out of all their orifices <laughs> She's like, I don't think we should see each other anymore. <laughs> you get fired as a patient. Yeah. What do you think the squid monster represents? <laughs> so yeah, after you know, after uh, putting his hands on her, like he chases her into the streets. She like wrecks a truck, and she. This is the first hint that we get of Anna being more out of control than what we think she is Mm -hmm. because at this point we think she's just like she's just reacting and numb and like unsure of what her life is but like when she just like is fucking spitting blood in the streets and her eyes are just wide and Mm -hmm. she like just storms off into the night (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know we get a sense that like there's something more off with her than perhaps what even sam neil's recognizing sure yeah I wanted to jump to um, Sam Neill meeting her doppelganger because this is a big theme within uh, the entire film because we they, they introduce it early. But uh, apparently Bob's teacher is, looks exactly like Anna. Yeah. Her name's Helen. Just different hair. Mm-hmm. It's Anna yeah. with a wig. Yeah. Yeah. Different hair. And I think her eyes might be different colored. I think uh, I think Helen's eyes are green and Anna's mm-hmm. eyes are blue. But other than okay. that, same person. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it's literally, and it's played by the same actress. Yeah, 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 literally yeah. the same actress. Um, so th- they introduce this early, and Sam Neill's character recognizes it. He's like, is this some sort of joke? Are you fucking with me? Like, mm-hmm. l- you know, give me your wig. <laughs> like, yeah. what is this? But then quickly accepts that it's just Anna or mm-hmm. it's not or it, she's just her own person. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think this is something they introduce because they want the, it, this is the this is a surrealist element of the film yeah. and that they, they want to bring apart this idea of uh, a, a, like an ideal partner that you would move on to. And the partner that you would move on to is obviously going to have a lot of qualities of your ex of the person you're still in love with. Yeah. 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 Whether whether you want to admit it or not, like the next person, you know, because why would you fall in love with the person that you're, you know, you're with currently? You're going to fall in love with those same kind of elements in the next person. Mm -hmm. So you're Mm -hmm. I think it's just a, you know, a a metaphorical way of showing, you know, like this is still the same person. You know, but she just has like slightly better qualities because she uh, Helen specifically is like she's more caring. She's mm-hmm. obviously there for Bob a lot more, which is what Sam Neill is looking for, you know, mm-hmm. above all. Somebody to yeah. raise his child. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, as misogynist and, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, uncaring is what his you know thoughts are. Is, but that's, you know. That's what uh, Mark is looking for in a partner. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're in and out of the apartment a lot. And you get a scene where Anna, like, cuts up her own neck with, with a, a carving knife. <laughs> like an electric mm-hmm. carving knife. Yeah. Yeah. And this is this is after. So this is after she's wrecked the truck and she comes in and she's like she has this energy about her. Where she's just kind of like bouncing through the apartment and then she just starts cutting up meat and she starts grinding meat mm-hmm. and she's like completely distant. She's like off in another world mm-hmm. and like Sam Neill's like freaking out and yelling at her and like he's like, what do you want? Tell me what you want. Uh, why won't you tell me? And he's mm-hmm. like, are you afraid that you won't like me anymore? And she's like, she's just nodding and shaking her head as responses. Like he's mm-hmm. not even necessarily well, uh- looking at her for the responses. Yeah, and I don't know. I I just don't know for you guys like who like I don't know what significant breakups you guys have had though too. It's like, but again, going through a, a divorce that was amicable, but also just like there was very controlling elements and like at a certain point, like you have this thought of like, there's no way out of this. There's mm-hmm. nothing else I can do here. So like you almost have this like, hey is. And that's all I saw in like scenes like this that I'm just like, she, she's going insanely, like she's going insane because like he's not changing any aspect or seeing the situation from any other perspective. And so the only thing that can be done is like, I'm just going to live in this like al- alternative universe and then maybe even just like hurting myself is also the only other alternative. Yeah. She's just like, uh, she's just like disassociating completely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Totally. Yeah. And she disassociates to the point that she like, she, she hits herself in the neck, you know, with the electric Mm -hmm. carving knife. And then like, as soon as she does that, like he's immediately right there to take care of her and like bandage the wound. And like, you Mm -hmm. know, so like he's again, he's switching on and off of being yeah. like you know somebody who 
is like he wants to care for her but also like he's like out of his mind with yeah. you know like wanting to get rid of her wanting like he's always constantly daring her to leave yeah you know mm-hmm. if that's what you want just do it yeah but no like, one can it's like there's a band-aid that's on any space to do like it's just right like, exactly it's yeah. another fucking game that this mm-hmm. is what the whole you know this whole thing why it's called possession too it's like these really fucked up games yeah it's like yeah. you know you can't leave because i won't actually let you leave because i'm going to like stalk the fuck out of you and be insane mm-hmm. sorry <laughs> But well, no, you're exactly right, though. Again, I was triggered a lot. Sorry, guys, if I'm acting like like Chris Buddy. All I want to be like is, girl, get the fuck out of there. Girl. Like, well, and then girl. she like pulls. You know, I kind of viewed like the whole like cutting herself with the knife thing as like she kind of pulled the 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 fire alarm because oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. things were just getting so crazy and she couldn't tolerate his bullshit any longer, and she was trying to just disassociate because she was just in survival mode and then she was just like i can't do it anymore and she just like like i said she just pulled the fire alarm like okay this is going to trump everything that's happening and this is going to take precedent and it's going to make him stop you know yeah kind of thing yeah 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 so it wasn't like a suicide attempt or anything like that it was more like i'm just going to hurt myself so then you have to pay attention to that right yeah yeah yeah, you have to I, pay I attention can, to I that. I can mildly and just, see that. I just like I, I just don't know if I actually I don't know if I see it that way. Again, I don't think we need to go into semantics of like breaking this down because I could probably we could probably talk about it for a while. And I'm oh, yeah. happy to if you guys want to. Mm. But I don't think I saw it that way. But I can understand from a different perspective, especially like yeah. knowing you mm. like seeing it from that perspective. Yeah, it, there's I mean, there's a lot open to interpretation, obviously, you know, depending totally. on what your experiences in life have been, you know, you may associate more with Mark, you might associate more with Anna, you know, it's it's that's what makes this film great is that like it has drunk before we even hit reanimator is what I'm saying right now. It, I, I'm pretty sure Brian set you up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jumping, uh, jumping ahead from that, though, uh, in the meantime, uh, Mark has hired a private detective and we already talked about this of this is like the worst spy chase in history because like this detective is following Anna around because Anna is not spending her time at Heinrich's. So she's going to a secret third place. So uh, Mark has hired this private detective from his agency. He's following her around and it's like the most obvious following. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, There's only like two people around. Sometimes there's a wino involved. Yeah. <laughs> and like he's, he's wearing like didn't. Didn't, 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 like some sort of like weird spy music. Yeah, I, he's, like, he's that wearing like a, uh, a pair of glasses that have like a nose and a mustache on them. Oh, right, fuck yeah. <laughs> right. Holes and, cut in the newspaper. <laughs> and, and Anna leads him to this uh, like fucking rundown, like shitty part of town. Like everything gets even gloomier and grosser somehow. There's like graffiti everywhere, and the 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 chase gets comical to the point that like she's running down the street and he's matching her speed but then like she ducks into a building and then like he runs into the same building and like has to run up the stairs past her as like i was doing this the entire time i meant this (laughs) well that's the thing is we'll show like from her perspective and he's right behind her but then they zoom out and he's like 20 yards back yeah yeah like it's it's just ridiculous the way it plays out, but it's it's funny. Uh, 
it's it's a short bit of levity but from there that's when you start to uh this is when things really go south and anna kills this guy as he's wandering around the apartment saying he's looking for broken windows he's like some sort of building inspector or whatever he comes up with like he was a neighbor like her, like a window broke and then a glass came down on his place or something. I forget. He, he said he, he said the somebody outside filed a complaint. I think he plays oh, himself. Okay. I think he plays himself off as like either a super or a manager of the building. Yeah. Which she would have known. Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's bopping around the apartment, checking well, the windows. Long knows to have worn to this apartment, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah, he he's she is playing this little coy game of like trying to keep him out of certain rooms, but eventually she just gives up and he goes into this dark room and you don't really see it very well what it is, but there's something squelchy and wet and it bloody. Squelchy. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good word. Yeah. And then he uh the, the detective is rather horrified by it. He tries to back out and she stabs him in the neck with a fucking bottle, which also <laughs> yeah. which also is kind of funny because she's in the kitchen. She's trying to tempt him with wine. He walks mm-hmm. away from her mm-hmm. and then she just goes, oopsie, broken and drops the bottle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like Daisy. this whole sequence is like it's darkly funny for mm-hmm. you know whatever reason. But it because is because divorce is really funny. <laughs> We well, gotta make fun of ourselves and make fun of our pain. That's how we survive. I'm sure. It's also true. From there, you, this is where things like start going off the rails. Though, like you get a sense of like, oh, there's something really weird and gross going on. Uh, back at the apartment, Sam Neil is confronted by Heinrich, and Heinrich is fucking drunk and or high off his ass and just yeah, he's all ar- gooned up. He's just like spinning around in the hallway. <laughs> he's just like a hilarious character. Yeah, hilariously. And like he's trying to figure out like now Heinrich's hurt the fact that Anna isn't spending her time with him. And like this is one of the few times where Mark is actually calm. Uh because he finally gets the upper hand on Heinrich. Right. Because this is also at the exact same time Helen has showed up to the house and like he starts kind of taking her in as the surrogate for Anna, like the Mm -hmm. replacement. Mm -hmm. So like this scene, Mark kind of has everything. He has somebody to take care of Bob. He feels like he's getting over Anna and he has a leg up on Heinrich. Yeah. And like Heinrich's just like bopping around, <laughs> losing his mind. <laughs> yeah, and he's like talking himself into like, oh, I fixed this. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I'm good now. Everything's yeah. good. You know, mm-hmm. Heinrich is hurt. I have a new, you know, I have a new wife mom. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. you <know? laughs> but you know, obviously he, he just obviously he'll betray himself, you know, because he can't he just can't stop himself. Whatever it is about him, he can't stop himself. From, you know, chasing after Anna and wanting to be with her and, you know, needing her for whatever reason. That bomb ass pussy, bro. Yeah. Well, she got crazy pussy. (laughs) She got a damn snapper. (laughs) (laughs) Them French girls. She got French girl gorilla grip. (laughs) (laughs) Bon appetit. (laughs) 
we see the lover of the detective who was killed. He shows up and he also wants to find where his uh, detective boyfriend is. And he goes to the apartment. And this scene is probably the one that, I mean, obviously really cements how kind of just off her rocker Anna is in that it's no longer necessarily about Mark or Heinrich or any of that Mm. because the way she's interacting with this, I think he's another spy because he know he knew how to find Mark and everything. So I think he's a spy at the agency, but but his his boyfriend is the detective. Yeah. Um, But just the way she interacts with this guy, she, she almost is like looking around like she's blind but the way she looks around, she looks through everybody. And it's like she's she's in this, you know, very close knit, you know, discussion with this detective and she's just looking through him. Mm-hmm. But he is like looking directly into her and he's like terrified by what he sees in her. Yeah. And then we see the squid monster in the background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Then like it's like, oh, okay, things are going really bad. <laughs> Things aren't great, and then he gets no, killed. There's a obviously, damn squid monster. Yeah, you gotta damn, watch out. Damn squid monster. He tries to shoot her. She goes fucking bonkers and like kills him. And she ends up shooting him, doesn't she? Oh yeah, she shoots him yeah. three times. Yeah, she shoots yeah, him yeah. three times. It's it's hard to tell. Like, and and this is one of those things about like the interpretation is like he gets a shot off at her, mm-hmm. and it's like did he hit her or not? Because like they're pretty pro- close proximity. Mm-hmm. But he only shot once and then like she didn't go down or anything. So it's like, did he actually hit her? Is she like under, you know, what kind of possession is she under? What kind of control is she under? Yeah. Yeah. But it's after this part that we get a look back and Heinrich has left a film reel at uh, Mark's doorstep. And the film reel is like this. Essentially, the film turns into a fake like Luke Goddard, you know, cinema verite film for a minute mm-hmm. because we see we get a peer into the life that Anna and Heinrich were sharing together. And it's uh, it's like two scenes. One is in a ballet studio. And in this scene, like Anna is a lot more focused. She's like mm-hmm. teaching ballet students. She's doing it in a very like aggressive manner. Yeah, she's like basically like like torturing these poor like she's she's teaching like young girls ballet yeah she's stretching them out like bob Backlund, man mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. she's giving the goddamn crossface chicken wink yeah but like but like the way she's going about it like every other time we've seen her she's like been erratic her eyes have been wide like she's like baring her teeth a lot but in the in this scene she's like very focused she's very dour Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's just like explain. She explains directly to the camera again. Back to the scene with the the other spy is like she was looking through him. Yeah, but like in in these scenes, she's looking right down the barrel of the camera, so mm-hmm. she's making direct eye contact with us as an audience. Yeah, and so it, everything becomes a lot more focused, and we see the way she was before she left Heinrich for the squid monster. Mm-hmm. You know, so like we kind of see the way she is with him. And then I think that's what kind of leads Mark to understand like what the trip is. Uh, yeah, I I, I I don't 
I mean, uh, again, this is this movie is a lot's left up to interpretation, but mm-hmm. you know, it. I can't help but th- wonder how much, how many of these at, like how many of these things are actually happening, right? Versus, mm-hmm. you know, it's like when we talked about a field in England. Like a lot of this stuff ain't happening. It's just happening in certain people's minds. You sure. know what I mean? <laughs> or it's their interpretation, or it's how their brain twisted things to make the way they feel make more sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, I the whole thi- like how would like the whole film reel thing like mm-hmm. I none of that. I don't think any of that happened. I think it did. You think so? Yeah, I think I think the film reel happens, but what uh the it's the next two or three scenes that are that are more likely to have not happened or at least not mm-hmm. happened the way we see them. Yeah. Like I I but think like, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say like like the scene in the ballet studio. Mhm. Like I don't know that that ever happened. I I think by the fact that we see Heinrich behind the camera because he's mm-hmm. he it, it, the scene starts with him filming a mirror, so mm-hmm. we see the ref- we see his reflection in the mirror. We see all the kids in the ballet studio, and we see yeah. Anna there as well. I think just the way the fact that we see it all, uh, I I'm I'm betting on it being something that actually happens. See, I I thought it as like okay. So Heinrich has now become this because before he was just a this kind of nebulous character that represented something to Sam Neill's character. That was what he couldn't be. Mm-hmm. He was superior to him in every way. Right. He was better at fucking. He was better at fighting. She wanted him. He did. She, you know, she didn't want Sam Neill. She wanted this guy. And he's just like physically and emotionally and spiritually and you know everything is superior in 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 sam neil's mind so like in my this gets back to like my overall like arching theory about this which maybe is a little bit out there but is that like everything including stuff that doesn't include sam neil is all just in sam neil's brain Like, that's kind of what I think is happening in this movie. (laughs) Um, And so, like, Heinrich going from this suave, you know, debonair, new age man to kind of like a a super almost infantile, um, vulnerable person that's now on Sam Neill's level. Now that he can see Heinrich like that, now he can fabricate this thing of what she means to Heinrich you know mm-hmm. what I mean right right see I I think I, I mean I, I I don't completely disagree with you mm-hmm. but I think there's a scene in here that really cements the fact that uh and it's later on yeah uh, there's a scene that cements the fact that like even though Sam Neill's character always saw Heinrich as this thing this unachievable mm-hmm. thing Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's when Anna stabs Heinrich. Yeah, that that Anna <laughs> this like is, this movie contradicts itself in so many places that like mm-hmm. at some point I just was like I threw logic out the window and just was like no you know what no matter how much this doesn't make sense I still think this is what happens <laughs> because it's like I don't have to prove it now because the logic is so contradictory to itself on purpose so many times. Yeah, 
I think I, th- I think I can agree that all of that can happen, but I feel like I kept finding ways that were like oddly symbolic on like an emotional scale. Mm-hmm. So like even with like Henrik being stabbed could somehow um like bring his character down to uh like Sam Neill's character's like same level. Um so like again, in so it could be aiding in the argument about like this is all in Sam Neill's head to a certain extent, or we might think that part of the movie is, is is in his head through his perspective of how this like breakup's going versus Anna's. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So and like she's seeing herself as like this like newly independent, like almost like overtly powerful person, which you can mm-hmm. probably seen in many different ways. Whereas like he's seen as like he's seeing these moments of like how his brain is tricking him into thinking that like she's finding someone better. So I'm no one, but then all of a sudden like Heinrich's being brought down to his level. It's like, Oh yeah, he's just another one of her toys or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So like, I can still see these themes of like, based on my brain, my filter has (laughs) like, you see that it, it, it's definitely, confusing and i think very surreal but i feel like i can still i put the picture together and understanding what's going on Mm. so uh yeah we're gonna jump back just a little bit so it's after sam neil watches the uh the film the film reel and this is where i think we get into the the levels of like what is he perceiving correctly because anna comes into the apartment again and she is just like a whirling dervish Mm-hmm. you know through the apartment like she's just like pulling shit off shelves you know sh- stripping fucking the bed sheets for whatever reason and like mm-hmm. the whole time she's like moving her hands in like this weird conjuring way of like she looks mm-hmm. like she's both trying to cast a spell and rip bugs from her skin mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he gives he gives none of that any attention like the right. entire time she is like moving in this insane erratic way that like we haven't even seen before. And like, mm-hmm. again, her eyes are wide. She's baring her teeth like an animal. She's just like completely off her rocker, but he isn't paying any attention to that. So like in this scene, it could be very much like, is he seeing what we're seeing is what she's doing? Is that just like what she's feeling on the inside mm-hmm. that we're seeing, you know, projected outwards actually Mm -hmm. uh but she gets into telling him like what is she tries to tell him essentially what's going on with her in a way Mm -hmm. and it cuts from her like losing her shit on the couch with him and like again he's kind of cool and collected in this scene Yeah, he he's only content when she's vulnerable right Mm -hmm. and 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 she and 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 when she's seems not vulnerable he's losing his mind Mm -hmm. so like that's why i kind of thought of like this is he's not like i don't know it's but it's beside the point go ahead sorry yeah but no i mean you're right though like anytime like anytime he feels not in control but in Mm -hmm. this in this scene she's very much she's so out of control that he can't be anything but in control. He thinks he's won as well. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, he's scared off, you know, Heinrich and everything. So he thinks he's won at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she goes on to tell, like you get this like hard cut to Jesus Christ and it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, Hey Jesus. 
Yeah, yeah. And she's like, it, it's, we already said we're gonna kill him. Let's fucking yeah. get the stakes out, guys. Mm-hmm. We're gonna kill God. We're just gonna yeah. threaten Jesus. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but send the message. You get this. Uh, you get this great framing of like she's looking up at the crucifix in a church, and she's just like almost like whimpering like a dog or, a, mm-hmm. or like some sort of like hurt animal, mm-hmm. and, and she's essentially daring slash begging jesus to fucking do something Mm -hmm. like do something about her situation yeah and you know because you know it's it's allegorical but it's you know like you know the the statue doesn't answer you know obviously (laughs) yeah it's almost like she's like she's like an an injured animal like she's caught in a in a snare or something like that right she's looking at him for like assistance yeah it's like or do, mercy or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it, it's like half daring, half begging, half, you know, just like do something mm-hmm. and then nothing happens. Yeah. And then she leaves the church and goes on to have the grossest miscarriage, you know, this side of a New York City subway. Or the most brilliant <laughs> miscarriage. I don't know yeah. if we if we would say the grossest. I think it was like a brilliant and and oddly i want to say poetic fucking scene like oh yeah it's 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 a full-on interpretive dance like it's yeah yeah yeah, yeah, it's amazing scene amazing honestly yeah Yeah. it's an amazing scene i just want to call it gross you know (laughs) well it's gross because it ends i'm on anna's side guys no matter what it ends with milk and blood and ecto cooler coming out of all of her holes (laughs) so not even holes like behind her like it's coming from her hair i think like it's just yeah yeah there's there's (laughs) pumps in her yeah there's it's coming from everywhere though yeah it's just blood and milk and it's just like I mean, I guess it's a miscarriage, but it's also like some sort of like, like maternal, like reckoning that she's experiencing, Mm -hmm. but she's also like, yeah. And this is why, and this again, I know this is a little bit far fetched, but like, it's not consistent with her character up to this point. And like this scene doesn't make a lot of sense to me unless you portray it as something like it's Sam Neill's fantasy almost like it's revenge a, fantasy, right? Not, it's not a, sexual mm, fantasy, but right? Like right. as a as a like she she's finally coming to terms with the fact that she's done everything wrong and she's a bad mother and. And now she is experiencing like sh- she well, now knows what lines. she's done. Yeah. So. So. Okay. Well, it, yeah. No, I, yeah. I was just going to say. So this is this is why this scene works is what you for what your theory is, Brian, about like mm. if it's not Sam, you know, it's how Sam Neill experiences things. But it's mm. also how it makes the film reel real. Because mm-hmm. when again, when we see Heinrich's film reel, everything's a lot more calm and demure like calculated the way anna behaves mm-hmm. the 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 miscarriage scene is the way she's telling it to sam neil so there isn't a physical record it's just the way she's telling it mm-hmm. and it's the way he imagined it is imagining it happening mm-hmm. he's got so, a fucked up filter let's just talk about that right yeah <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. obviously has a fucked up filter <laughs> <laughs> 
So, <laughs> so like, yeah, that's what he's seeing. That's what he's imagining. He's imagining all this pain and gloop and glop and like, you know, she's bouncing off the walls of, you know, a dirty ass subway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. But yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, it cements in him. You know what he imagines. You know she's going through, or I mean, hey, we can take it at face value, and she had a weird fucking miscarriage, and <laughs> because she's also involved with yeah. the damn squid monsters. <laughs> yeah, no, I I definitely can foresee like if this is all being like portrayed through Samuel's like filter, that being on point. I just I guess I saw in that scene too is like even this moment of like. Not even like redemption, but then just like having that inner conflict of it being such a painful moment because she could have been very well describing to him like as being this very traumatic situation, because I think in most cases, miscarriages can be very traumatic for people Mm. that like this is like her second chance. You know, she might have saw like this new like new life ahead of her Mm -hmm. and then she gets a miscarriage. And then all of a sudden it becomes this very traumatic experience where like she may be even questioning herself. Yeah. Like, well, you know, I think oftentimes that can happen too. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, and even to be more clear about it, like she, she says it, what happened is she had a miscarriage of faith. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not like a miscarriage of an actual child. She's having a miscarriage of faith. Like her faith and hope have died within her. Mm-hmm. And like she's just now like having you know because again the scene that preceded that is you know God rejecting her essentially not helping her taking care of whatever her you know wishes were mm-hmm. so yeah I think I think it's again it's more metaphorical but again what you know what we're what we could be seeing is the way Sam Neil imagines the way her faith dies mm-hmm. in, you know in a gooey puddle. Uh, we can jump forward. We can jump forward to Heinrich being stabbed. Uh, it's after this scene that Heinrich. It's after the. It's it's after Anna leaves, after relaying this uh, miscarriage story. Um, Heinrich calls again, and Sam Neil sends him to the apartment that he's been sending everybody to. You know he knows where Anna is hiding, but he's like just doesn't go. But he mm-hmm. sends everybody else and nobody comes back because she kills everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she sends Heinrich uh, or he sends Heinrich. Heinrich confronts her and she stabs Heinrich. And this is the scene where like Meg, you mentioned it before about this is how she's taking her power. And the way I looked at it is mm-hmm. she sought out Heinrich because he offered something for her. And he is like Heinrich is this, you know, again, hippy dippy spiritual guy. And he offered like this, you know, here's spiritual power that you can find this way and we'll find it through sex and drugs and da da da. And we'll expand your mind that way. And you can find a lot of things through sex. I don't know if like <laughs> a higher thing is really it though. I don't know. <laughs> Some people see God. Sex with Dale Earnhardt. <laughs> 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 you ever have sex with somebody in a Dale Earnhardt t-shirt? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not you yet. haven't lived. You haven't lived yet. If you ain't rubbing, you ain't racing. <laughs> <laughs> no, when you heard that, when you first said that, that was like how Steve fucking said that. That's exactly what my mind went to. If you ain't rubbing, you ain't racing. Yeah. Intimidator. Number three forever. But yeah, like she stabs him and essentially tells him like, 
you know, I'm beyond you now. Cause like the, the whole time she's been lamenting, like she is the cause, she is her own destructor. She's the cause of her own evil, but like, she also has her own power. And like in this scene, she's telling Heinrich, like I have my own power over you. Like I, like I'm beyond whatever bullshit you were trying to pedal to get me to stick with you. I don't care. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So she, yeah. I think that's when she's really just cementing herself as like she's made her decisions to be with the squid monster and you know foster that relationship. And squid monster seems to be offering her a lot, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean apparently he's an I insatiable squid lover. Monster too. <laughs> squid monster is an insatiable lover. <laughs> okay, well then maybe uh, maybe maybe there is a lover out there that will uh you know, make me want to change my ways, make me uh, want to live a better life. I'm taking applications. Yeah. Any squid monsters listening out there? Yeah. Where I are think, my squid monsters at? I think you have to create the squid monster. I think that's mm-hmm. the, that's the, the tale of it. You have yeah. to manifest the squid monster, which, mm-hmm. we, you know, you could probably get mm-hmm. done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, vibrators are great, too. Sure. I call my vibrator the squid monster. <laughs> the squid <Cool>. monster. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> the squid monster. Just having a night in with the squid monster. <laughs> there, I'm sure there's like some sort of vibrator dildo mix that has like a bunch of tentacles. I yeah. know this exists. I watched as someone showed me earlier today that there is an asparagus dildo out there. So no fun. <laughs> these are the conversations I have with coworkers. Healthy. Yeah. Great. The uh, the old veggie tales. Veggie <laughs> <laughs> Like there's no there's no Christian trauma in those dildos at all. <laughs> if you there's like definitely to a talk video on Pornhub with uh, Veggie Tales. Oh yeah, but it's all vegetable dildos. Mm. Uh, veggie t- Veggie Tales fanfic, guys. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Take some money, guys. Yeah. Uh, all right. So to wrap up the film. Uh, you know, after Heinrich stabbed, he gets Mark out to the 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 dirty, dingy uh, murder house. Uh, Mark investigates, finds that she's been killing people and storing bodies. He loses his mind about it. Mark explodes the apartment in a pretty fantastic way. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and runs off. Uh, and then, like he, this Bitch. is this is when Mark once again betrays everything that he said about like giving up on Anna, giving, giving it away because now he's actively like trying to cover up her crimes. He's, yep. you know, trying to win her back by accepting the squid monster. He's like, trying, he, he just can't give up on her, whatever it he's is. He's being a real cuck. Yeah. He's being a cuck. Now this <laughs> really, is just straight just up cuck energy. <laughs> he's being a real squid cuck. Yeah. yeah. And Wait, can and we it, say beta in this context, guys? Sure. You can call him a beta. <laughs> if that's, if that's how you're feeling, Meg. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just making sure I'm using it properly, guys. Yeah, trying to learn from you guys. We we don't call we don't call anybody beta. Are you calling us betas? Yeah, I was gonna say this was a you thing. You were the one who was like really leaning into calling people betas. Yeah. No, no. Which of what I'm saying though is I'm trying to learn from you two is making sure I'm using it correctly. Oh, Mm -hmm. oh, gotcha. Okay. You guys seem to be the experts on betas. (laughs) 
I see. I see. You keep sneaking in these like little backhanded insults. You know, like, you know, we still have to vote, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> just because we know so like I. a good amount Which about Pokemon. Which one of you going on my side? Which one of you guys wants to help me out here? <laughs> Meg's uh, just ne- Meg's negging us. I know it's rude. <laughs> yeah. Guys, I, I don't think I've won. I maybe have won once since <laughs> we we started the new year. So, well, now it's, it's twenty twenty three. So it's nobody's not about won yet. Winning like the title anymore. <laughs> it's just about winning. Gotcha. It's a whole other plane. <laughs> it's about just taking shots. <laughs> it's a fight. It's a fight with myself. <laughs> Hurting people's feelings. <laughs> If I can't if I can't win, I'll just hurt somebody's feelings. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's like the equivalent of pushing a kid down. Sure, sure. Push him off a bike. Being a bully, being a pecker. In. <laughs> those are those are classic. That's classic show value. Classic peckerhead Meg behavior. Classic yeah. peckerhead. Moving <laughs> up to the name, guys. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So Mark is covering up her crimes. He's trying to help her escape. We learn that the spy agency has been watching them the entire time, and is pretty Some much aware of all of this. Uh, so he turns against the spy agency even to chase you know uh, whatever dream he has of being with Anna, and it gets him shot in a stairwell like an asshole, <laughs> and then she gets shot in the stairwell, uh, but not before revealing that the squid monster has been evolving and changing through this entire time and has turned into a more perfect version of Mark, a less mm-hmm. sweaty, less beat up, less cut up, less shot version yeah. of Mark. L- less bulgy eyed, slower talking. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, yeah, again, we're reintroduced to the doppelganger theme and the film ends with the doppelganger Mark uh getting some random woman to shoot cops which is hilarious as he escapes yeah and it shows up where bob is with helen the anna doppelganger and bob is terrified of letting that uh creature in because he understands like it's the worst parts of his dad like it's not even the good Mm -hmm. parts he doesn't want it in right and just so happens at that same time world war three breaks out like the Cold War becomes a hot war. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bob's like, isn't that when Bob like goes and like hides in the bathtub? Yeah. Yeah. Bob essentially drowns himself. Yeah. Because <laughs> he well, thought there was one. Or he was playing dead. I was get like, so this is one of those things to, to where uh, I don't even, I, I don't even know if it's fair to say that the movie is from Sam Neill's perspective as much as it's like a like super literal interpretation of like a character study of an abusive psychotic gaslighting person mm-hmm. it's because both. like I honestly think it's like mildly both like in yeah. ways because like, like at the, I, I don't know if I want to like separate the two yeah. But the the only reason that I that I don't think like anything or very little actually happens from Anna's perspective or from that's her name, right? Am I getting the mixed up? Yeah, Anna. Anna. Yeah. 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 Anna's perspective is like even at the end when the when the quote unquote monster, which is like the squid monster that has evolved into the new perfect Sam Neil, is at the door. 
the thing that really cemented it for me is Bob is the only one that knows what his dad is truly like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and then the girl who looks like Anna, who's played by the same character, the teacher, when she's basically like, don't let him in. She's mm-hmm. like, but I want, she says something like, but I want to, or something is now that is when he finally is recovered enough to victimize somebody else. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like he has killed that part of himself. Like he's a sociopath and he's killed that part of himself that was in love with Anna. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. now Anna is dead to him. Right. But he didn't do it. She did it to herself because he's a fucking sociopath. Mm-hmm. And the only way she would ever do it is if she had some like alien fucking being that would like somehow take over and like almost control her too. Yeah. like just exactly what he's doing. It's like a projection of it. It's like the only way she would do that is if like someone else like somehow was better than me or convinced her or like controlled her or like right. whatever. To yeah, do so, that. so like now he has killed that version of himself who was in love with Anna and now he's ready to take on a new obsession victim and all the air raid sirens and all that stuff is basically like the warning to mm-hmm. the new victim, but she can't hear it because she's so um, enthralled with him because he's a fucking mm-hmm. sociopath, you know, and does the thing sociopaths do. And the only person that knows, the only person that's present at that point that knows what's truly happening is Bob. And that's why he goes and runs in the bathtub, bathtub and plays dead. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, and you can mm. even uh, look at the way like the, the new uh, perfect Mark is, Mm-hmm. is the way he's dressed is he has the blazer but it's an open shirt blazer so like he's exposing his chest just like Heinrich did so mm-hmm. like he's taking everything mm-hmm. that he learned from Heinrich yeah. that made Heinrich better than him per se yeah. and now he's adopted mm-hmm. it into himself yeah he's a sociopath he doesn't have his own personality he just mm-hmm. takes on you know he just takes mm-hmm. on you know cues from other people to get what he wants out of life. So like, I took that as like, he has done this. He has died and been reborn as a new monster. Mm-hmm. An untold number of times. Right. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, and like you can, it, it's, uh, it's pretty evident in the, the way, like, again, the perfect Mark ascends out of the building Mm-hmm. while the dying Mark like just decides to throw himself down. Well, he even says the new Mark makes the old Mark kill himself because yeah. he even goes like, how do you, how do you want to do this? Right. And then he throws himself like down the banisters and just, yeah. you know, falls like, you know, seven stories or whatever. So it's like your time is up. I'm the new, I'm, I, you know, I'm the new Mark, you know, how do you want to do this? Mm hmm. Because you're done. I, I'm yeah. the new mark. I moved on. New mark is new mark yeah. is in town. Dork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck off, dork. New marks here. Open blazer mark. Hell yeah. <laughs> making making women shoot cops mark. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that is like that's devotion. So if your like significant a, other pew, pew, won't pew, shoot oh, cops. Oh wait, no, no, for you. you need that gun. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and uh, you know, there's a lot more to this film. Like like I said, we probably could do you know. 
a two and a half hour episode on this shit itself. Like we didn't get mm-hmm. much into uh, the spy agency and like what yeah. those kind of things mean. Uh, we didn't talk or a the whole other lot. woman in Mark's life. What's her name? Um, uh, oh, Margie. About? Yeah, we didn't talk. Mar- yeah. yeah, we didn't talk much about Margie. And then mm-hmm. um, what is it? Uh, 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 oh, yeah. And also, just like the way the way religion plays a lot into this because like we talk about how Heinrich is spiritual and then how Anna ascends from that but then uh, you mm-hmm. know Mark has this very like atheistic view of yeah. like God is like a disease he's a disease dying dog yeah. you know <laughs> so we didn't talk much about that but yeah there, there's a lot of layers to this film and you mm-hmm. should go enjoy it yourself yeah, this movie reminds me of like the gr- like this is probably one of those movies that's kind of like, um, you know, the Velvet Underground of like cosmic horror in that like not mm-hmm. a lot of people saw it, but everybody who saw it went and made a movie kind of thing. Like it's the guy I think of this movie as like almost like the the grandfather of like a lot of this like elevated, you know, a 24 style horror movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see influences there and I'm sure like. Cronenberg saw some of this and was like, oh, that's kind of gross. I'm going to add some of that in my own. Not, you know, not that he wasn't already working and doing his own gross stuff, but I'm sure mm-hmm. I'm sure, it, you know, you know, just peers having contact with each other. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously Sam Neill went on to make, you know, two more cosmic horror movies himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Yeah, the, the, uh, I like this movie a lot. The performances are incredible. It's a mm-hmm. really interesting movie. There's a lot to discuss. There's a lot to unpack with it. Like it is very nebulous and and the kind of left up to interpretation. Um, it's it's I think it's a little bit atypical in the cosmic horror genre subgenre in that it does lack some of the hallmarks for me of of and not that everything has to be this big giant you know unknowable truth or unknowable mm-hmm. knowledge kind of thing but like i think the one thing that i wouldn't necessarily immediately say this is atypical cosmic horror is it's kind of a small story oh yeah you know whereas like a lot of cosmic horror like starts small and expands out mm-hmm. you know um and, and I think there's a tremendous amount of crossover between religious horror and, and cosmic horror. I mean, even like, I mean, I think for one of our religious horror movie, was it religious horror show that we talked about Prince of Darkness? Mm-hmm. Like I could, like I would almost categorize Prince of Darkness more as cosmic horror than religious horror. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it, but it, yeah, like you're saying, it, it hits both. Obviously huge religious themes. Like it is yeah. both, but, that, but like that, thematically. That episode, that episode was actually satanic panic. So it was oh, about just right. having so, Satan in it. So it wasn't about yeah, religion. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, religious <laughs> horror was older episode than that. But yeah, it's like it's a just a really small story. And that's the one thing like a lot of my favorite cosmic horror is like even even if it is a smaller story, the actions, discoveries, things that are happening in the story that are driving the plot have huge or potentially huge consequences mm-hmm. for like outside of just the circle of characters. And yeah. this one is very insular in that way. Like it's almost more like emotionally cosmic, like the, the, the world, the cosmo, you know, the cosmic world that it exists in is just like within a couple people's brains, which, yeah. you know, you could argue is, is, you know, 
in itself infinite in some way. You know what I mean? You could you yeah. can make an argument. I'm not saying it's not. It's just a little atypical yeah. in that way. I, I, I think also just because it's again, it, this is a film that like it, it, on your first watch, you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So like it starts out even smaller than you think because it's yeah. starting it's starting out with just two people having a relationship that's yeah. falling apart then you learn how much farther and expansive like what sam neil is going to learn yeah you know so like mm-hmm. you you obviously learn about the squid monster before he does mm-hmm. but like yeah it, oh there's this whole world that he doesn't even know about yet that yeah. will be revealed to him. Yeah. And then when it's yeah, it re- almost reminds me more of like the squid monster is more like something you would see in like naked lunch than you would see that you would equate with like Cthulhu mm. or something. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like it's not it's not this um uncaring ancient evil or or like any type of scientific discovery or anything. It's more just like the monster is like this toxic partner. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and like the cosmic element is like the depths of like grief and heartbreak that. Yeah, which and, I, I honestly just don't want to totally discredit with this film that at the end of the day. No, it's, don't a, want to it's a wonderful so film. Like, I just don't know that yeah. it's like super great example of cosmic but horror. I think I think what it just shows is the expansive nature of like what this subgenre can be. Because I'm, I think it could probably fit in a number of subgenres. Like even if we're talking about some sort of surreal, like horror, but like I still think we have elements of that, like existentialism. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, we do get like a weird cosmic element, you know, with mm-hmm. like squid monster and stuff like that. Like there are there are things there that exist. I the only thing that I would agree is that I think. What was interesting, though, at the same time that I'll agree with is that this is a small story. It Mm. is taking one very specific theme and somehow making two hours out of it. But, like, you're not completely bored throughout it. You're still just somehow just, like, hooked. Yeah. And and that's because... So I'll give it that. Yeah. It's because the performances are so big and because it is always... Exactly. ...building upon itself. So I'll Mm -hmm. say, like, the main... The main parts of this, it's much more existential horror than, like, uh, the, mm. the the sense of, like, futility that you get in other mm-hmm. cosmic horror. But it's much more existential in that you see Mark in his refusal to accept what is, like, his existence, mm-hmm. you know, because he's constantly obsessing and chasing Anna. And then you see Anna mm-hmm. in the way that she expands and accepts her you know, existence the way she mm. builds it uh she builds it from her relationship with mark what she learns from heinrich and then the way she takes power over heinrich and then is like building it into the squid monster by feeding it a bunch of fucking detectives mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's like the 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 giant like unknowable old god kind of thing is like the ego, I guess, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I think it's a very unique take on cosmic core and there's like a lot of cosmic core elements to it. But like, yeah, the whole like forbidden knowledge thing where you're like out in like where you feel like the characters are so far into the deep end and at, like at, they feel they never feel they feel 
in their own mind. They're not they're never like completely out of their depth. Yeah, it's it's they're like in a world of their creation. Right. Instead of like something that is. Omnipotent out there that they stumble upon and they shouldn't have, you know what I mean? Well, see, I would say I would say Anna absolutely does, but it's the fact that we don't see the film from Anna's perspective. Because right. again, Anna goes through like these monologues about like faith and chance, and like mm-hmm. faith has abandoned her, faith died, so mm-hmm. she has to nurture chance when she can, and chance has like brought this knowledge to her. You know, mm-hmm. she has the secret knowledge, but we don't know what she knows. She yeah. she is learning more about herself she's learning more about yeah, the world i guess like motherhood too is probably part of the like forbidden knowledge thing there maybe mm-hmm. like not only f- obviously anna experiencing it for the first time but also like mark's interpretation of her coming to terms with her like the tragedy of reproducing <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean yeah um i don't know it's i mean it just feels like a str- like i feel like i'm grasping to try to figure out where the the true like cosmic horror themes are you know mm. mm-hmm. got it but fantastic i mean it's Lord. a fantastic film yeah i was already jumping in i just wanted to talk about pickles <laughs> all right all right eat your pickles because uh, we're about to talk about and get your ecto cooler ready because we are about to talk drink about it, guys. N- crack drink another it. one because we're talking about 1985 Stuart Gordon joint reanimator. This is um, one of my first like, you know, aside from Halloween and The Exorcist and that sort of stuff, like when I first started to get into like, you know, peeling back the the the, the first or second layer of the horror onion. Uh, as a kid, this was a movie that I discovered pretty early on and fell in love with and have been a huge fan of for a long, long time. And I have um, I've seen this movie a ton of times. I never get sick of it. It's always so entertaining to me. Um, it is definitely not as like high. St- it is if if possession is on one end of the uh, cosmic horror cosmos <laughs> reanimators <laughs> on the other it's it's a little bit it's definitely <laughs> sillier schlockier not nearly as it, it's it's not particularly self-serious at all in fact there's some like Mm-mm. stuff that happens in it that you're like wow that's pretty brutal but it's played almost for laughs not entirely um the whole thing is played very seriously but there are like laugh out loud funny parts too and i mean it, it would be listen, deadpan it's, it's deadpan humor is what it yeah. is yeah. it's jeffrey combs just acting his balls off um and this is his most well-known um uh performance as uh, as uh herbert west um and this is based on an hp love uh craft uh story as i'm sure you all know everybody knows uh, reanimator probably so i won't i won't you know get too deep into that but Stuart gordon definitely known for his uh uh lovecraft interpretations um mm-hmm. but this movie was also one of his earliest um and also he was kind of a protege in a lot of ways of brian usna 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, who produced, I think his only credit is producer on this, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, yeah, here, right? yeah. yeah he's, a, he's a producer on this, and it's like a Brian Yuzno joint. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but he doesn't have like a writing credit or anything on this. Uh, no, but I he mean, does come up first. On, <laughs> yes, he does come up first. So it does, it's almost, he's not, he's not name above the title. They do give that to H.P. Lovecraft because mm-hmm. um, it's based very much on, you know, the story, Herbert West reanimator. Um, but uh, uh, the screenwriting credit goes to Dennis Paoli and, and, uh, and William Norris. So two, two very notable um, uh, screenwriters as well. But in any case, let's get into the cast because I think that's, that's where this movie shines is like four of the best fucking performances what four of my favorite horror performances you have almost the abbott and costello of jeffrey combs as herbert west uh which is the 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 zany um deadpan not not zany well he's zany but in a deadpan kind of way very dry he does zany things he does zany things. He doesn't speak in a zany way, mm-hmm. but he says zany lines in a very deadpan way. Um, mm-hmm. As if you know Jeffrey Combs at all, you know, you know, the, you, you certainly know this performance. And um, he is a big actor. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and this one is like him kind of pulling it back to be this almost. Um, I, I, I don't how mean did, to say this. In, well, I, oh, I'll just ask. How did. All of the Reddit incel community watch this movie and say, I should be that guy. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Because you know, want to know why? It's because he's smarter than everyone and he knows it. And that's what all incels think, that they're smarter than everyone. And But also, we don't ever see him get pussy, so like... That's he's true. Also just gonna... Well, he's almost asexual, which is weird yeah. for the incel community. He's Valsel. Like lo- What's that? <laughs> he's Valsel. Valsel, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because he's he's almost asexual in that way. What's that word? Voluntarily. Vol- voluntarily cellulite. 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 All right, guys. I learn new things every time I hang but out like, with you. In comparison... In comparison, he is like he is the 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 brilliant, misunderstood, you know, misanthropic nerd type character to the Bruce Abbott who plays Dan Kane. Uh, and Bruce Abbott is the kind of like, you know, hunky, uh, does everything right, does everything by the book, you know, dating the dean's daughter, which is actually technically kind of taboo in this story for some weird reason but in any case mm-hmm. he is um he's he's the do right um b- guy next door heartthrob and jeffrey combs is like the 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 misanthropic genius so um and so you get those two and then you get the incredible uh listen i'm, I'm not gonna mince words maybe my all-time biggest ho- celebrity horror crush one miss Barbara Crampton um, as, really? as as Meg Halls. Yeah, I, I just adore Barbara Crampton. Um, and she is. Um, yeah, listen, guys, I, I mean, I know I'm not going to mince words. She's on full display here um, <laughs> and she is a stone cold fox. Um, she does get some nice boobs. She does. It's, it's, it's the whole thing. It's tremendous. Um, and then you get David Gale as Dr. Carl Hill, which is such a wild performance. Um, mm. And he, oh man, and just this is the thing is you have this movie, which is one of my all time favorite movies, but 
Reanimator, Bride of Reanimator, the sequel, is just as good. Like, I could have done really? either one. Bride of Reanimator I watched is... Beyond after this. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a big drop-off. <laughs> that's a big drop-off. Somehow, off. that was, like, the next one that Tubi asked me to watch. It was yeah. like, do you want to watch it? So I was like, sure. Okay, Tubi. Yeah, no, watch, watch Bride of Reanimator. Bride of Reanimator is also fantastic um crazier way over the more over the top certainly more polished maybe not quite as charming but even more batshit like it's this might be a little bit of an overstatement but it's almost gremlins versus gremlins to the new batch <laughs> a little bit um in terms of just like turned everything up to 11 and then snapped the fucking knob off you know um but it's it's great rider animator is fantastic but um you know i figured i'd go go with the og here and talk about reanimator so um yeah, so so just a little bit. I won't go scene by scene here, but we'll we'll you know because like I said, there's probably a lot of folks who have seen this movie. But um, first of all, I adore the intro to this movie. You get this cold open, and you have no fucking idea what's happening. Like Jeffrey Cole or I'm uh, uh, I'll just Herbert West. Um, you, you you don't know if he's like. You know, he's there with like his uh, his mentor, which is another doctor. You have nothing explained to you yet. Um, he does something. You don't know if he is victimizing the doctor in some way. Um, but ultimately, I, mean, I actually I've, I mean, I, I like the opening in a sense because I feel like thinking of always I always again, always go back to time and place like that would be a very shocking scene to like have something open to that you're now like. I, I do think they give enough in that scene where you know that uh, Herbert West did something. Mm-hmm. You don't know exactly what, but he did something really fucked up. Yeah. And he, I think like the shock factor is perfect. I love a movie that hits the ground running and this one absolutely hits the ground running. There is not an ounce of slow play, slow burn in this movie, like in this movie's vocabulary, it just, it hits the fucking ground running. Um, I also love the aesthetic of those like colored anatomy sketches at the beginning, Mm -hmm. um, with this music over top of it. That reminds me of like, if Danny Elfman scored a Hitchcock flick, which is, uh, which (laughs) it's Richard band. Yeah. 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 He did the music for this. Yeah. 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 Charlie Band's brother. Yeah. I was going to say who, uh, what else, what is the, um, relation there charles band uh full moon charles band okay but uh so just to give you a little bit of idea about like this kind of yin and yang that is uh dan versus herbert um you know like i said very much go with the flow the establishment kid is dan you know he's going through school and then once he graduates then he's gonna marry the dean's daughter and he doesn't he cares very much about what people think of him and he plays by the rules and all that stuff and then you have herbert west which challenges the establishment from the beginning like he's extremely ego driven he knows he's like brilliant but he just can't get out of his own way from an ego perspective Um, Mm -hmm. he definitely has this huge chip on his shoulder and he is like, I would say like borderline. I mean, I don't know that it was, this probably wasn't in the script necessarily, but I wonder if Jeffrey Combs like worked this into the character at all. But like, he's almost reminds me of like, um, someone to be on the spectrum in terms of like the way he interacts with people and the way, Mm -hmm. the way he expects people to respond to what he does. Um, but He's very skilled socially, but 
only when he needs to be and he doesn't really mm-hmm. care to be that often yeah. you know what i mean i, I mean um, it's it, it's on display no better than the scene where he decides he's going to move into the apartment yeah yeah and he, he just, just comes in and goes yeah, yeah. What, do right. we have a deal we're gonna move in yeah, yeah. do we have a deal yeah, when should like, i move yeah, in right my now? bags are outside <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah he was it's just happening. <laughs> well, he's also like so overly pragmatic to a like to a sense that like he can't even he can't associate effectively with people who don't have that level of like bare bones pragmatic nature like when he's Mm -hmm. so so you get you know the first time you know something's weird about him you know meg who's barbara crampton who is uh you know i should say she is the dean of the medical school's daughter who dan is dating but they're kind of trying to keep it hush hush because apparently the dean is like this weird you know um i think they even describe him as uh um, puritanical yeah. or something like she, that she at some point. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it, it's either her or uh, Dan describes him as the last Puritan in the United States, yeah. and that's not true. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So it's a little, but but he is very like traditional, and he doesn't like you know that his daughter would be kind of shacking up with some guy, especially you know a student of his or whatever. So um, they're kind of keeping it on the hush, and. Um, Anyway, he moves in, uh, Herbert moves in and he's like, you won't even know I'm here. You know, like I, you know, I'm just going to use the basement as lab space or whatever. And so he does. And then, um, she has a bad feeling about him right off the bat. Well, they come home and the cat is missing. They look around everywhere. They find the cat dead in the fridge. She insists that he tried to, that he killed the cat. Um, what Herbert comes to, you know, explain is that the cat got its head stuck in a jar and suffocated, and then he put it in the fridge. Ultimately, you learn because he wanted to do experiments on it. <laughs> you never really, you're never really made a hundred percent clear whether he killed the cat or not. But the assumption he is he did sure not killed that cat. Even if that jar thinks the jar thing could totally be true, but it was because he put the jar there, and he's like, "I'm gonna put some catnip inside of it, and then just let you get your head stuck." See, I didn't think he actually killed the cat, but I think he could. Really? Yeah, because because he would. He, that would be too. Not that he wouldn't kill a cat, but that it is too that's too inconvenient for him. He would understand the 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 not particularly pragmatic nature of killing your roommate's cat. But he's like super. I mean, I guess. okay. so I'm trying to think of the people he's like been willing to kill. And sure, Gail's character like. But only when he's backed into a corner or sure. when he is yeah, and like it's for his own benefid. Yeah. But I, for but like some when reason, you could go I out could and kill a, a stray cat. Why would you kill your, your roommate's cat? Yeah. Because I could see an incomplete scenario where it's like this is convenient and opportunistic. I but I know. think he's too logical for that. I also can that. understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm of the mind that he killed the cat as well. I think mm. and it might be just like one of the downfalls of this movie is that like Things move a little too quick. Yeah, yeah. it's I just like it's paced very. Like I said, it's paced very fast. Yeah, and it, it, like it, it's fine because it gets to the gags quick and everything, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But it's just like sometimes there could be more. There could just be a little bit more to develop relationships and everything. Because mm-hmm. again, yeah. like we're already into the point where Herbert West has moved in. Because like it happens yeah. that quickly. Like he just he he kills somebody in the Swiss Alps, shows up, and then is moved in. Like he just boop boop boop. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, then he also like shows up and he's like, you do get the the scene of like, oh, him like um, basically challenging Dr. Hill right off the bat and saying that because Dr. Hill, you know, who is a professor who is like the domineering professor and, you know, the kind of grant winner of the medical school um, or from the of the, the hospitals. It's, it's a teaching hospital. Um, he is saying that basically you stole all the stuff off of my, you know, the person that I learned from the doctor, whatever from Switzerland, Dr. Hans Gruber. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Hans Gruber. And he's like, uh, and you are, you know, you're basically a fucking quack. And then, so they're at each other's throats right from the beginning. But, um, you know, this is kind of speaks to, I think, sort of summarizes Herbert West's character in, in a really concise way is like when they're like, why is the cat in your fridge? And they're freaking out. And he's like, I found the cat dead. I didn't want it to stink up the house. I put it in the fridge. And like to him, that's that's what you do with a dead animal. You put it in the fridge. Um, but to a normal person, that would be like, yeah, that's fucking weird. Mm-hmm. And he's like, why didn't you reach out to me? He's like, what do you want me to do? Leave a note that says cat dead details later. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> that's such a great line. Um, but uh, so then he he brings the cat back, you know, and you, you come to, to learn that he has developed this this what he calls his reagent, which is this kind of serum that when injected into, you know, initially the brainstem, but then they do all kind of craziness with it of a corpse. It reanimates the corpse. It brings it back to life, but not in uh, the true sense of, you know. Yeah, uh, but it, it conquers brain death, if you will. Whereas, like the the um, the brain continues to function, but it definitely, you know, the 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 subjects are not of sound mind or really have any type of strong like cognition. Um, anyway, uh, great scene where when he finally convinces uh, Dan of what's happening is he comes downstairs and Herbert is being attacked by this cat. And there's this crazy scene of them fighting the cat because the cat's like super strong because when they come back, they oftentimes have like disproportionate strength and ultimately Dan spikes (laughs) the cat off the wall. (laughs) And then he reanimates it again, uh, to kind of prove to him, uh, you know, you know, the, the effects of the reagent. So, um, and he was like, this is maybe my favorite, one of my favorite lines, Herbert West has all the great best lines in this is when after he brings it back the, the in front of Dan and he's like blown away by what he's seeing. He's like, he was dead. And Herbert goes twice. twice. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great line. Um, but yeah, Her- Herbert is just so like, ghoulish in nature Mm -hmm. like he just you can imagine like jeffrey combs the way he depicts him just coming straight out of 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 like a lovecraft short story but um dan being the boy scout that he is goes to the dean and 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 admits to what happened and explains that herbert has you know is can bring you know things back to life and uh again the dean is is barbara crampton's dad uh, uh meg's dad and the dean basically expels them both and 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 you know tells them to fuck off and we're t- I'm taking your funding away I'm taking your 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 scholarship or your loans or whatever away and you guys are both out of school and fuck you um so they kind of are desperate all of a sudden and and west is already like a 
you know, like I said, I'm kind of a misanthrope, kind of an outsider. So he's just like, this isn't going to slow me down kind of thing. Um, but he, in his desperation, gets suckered, Dan gets suckered by Herbert into um, basically going into the morgue because Dan works at the hospital and has access to the morgue um, so that they can try it on a corpse, a human corpse. Um, ultimately, the dean comes in. Uh, he ends up getting killed. A struggle ensues. But but <laughs> but Meg comes in and her dad is dead but she comes in and he's all bloody strangling both of them because basically he gets killed you know accidentally by the creature or the 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 corpse that they've reanimated and they picked a, a big muscle guy bad guy yeah. you know if you're gonna bring back a corpse don't bring back like the biggest strongest corpse you i know mean like I mean? the corpse picking scene is kind of funny because they're like just trying yeah. to find the right one but then, mm -hmm. like, yeah, they go with this big muscle-bound freak who... Like, well, they suggest that he's the freshest because they yeah. feel like that it's going to be more successful if the, the the shorter amount of time it's been dead. And they keep saying, like, oh, this one's rotten and all this mm -hmm. stuff, but... Um, yeah, so they're, they're passing over burn victims, and I think I think they also allude to the fact that, like, the this one just had a heart attack, which is, like, the mm -hmm. only thing that happened to him. Uh, yeah, he doesn't than, have like, yeah, he's not all fucked up, right. you know, so he's he's like a good clean specimen, I guess. So they bring him back. He ends up killing the Dean and then Herbert event, you know, is is so apt at manipulating Dan <laughs> in, in just like he can talk him into anything in the moment. Um, and he always like being an absolute sociopath. He's just like, oh, the Dean's dead. We should use the Dean. He just died. <laughs> We're never going to get a specimen this fresh unless we kill somebody. So let's fucking do it. And then he spins the whole thing to his, um, you know, to his benefit. Um, he, he does stick a bone saw through the chest of the muscle guy <laughs> and yeah. kill him in this very kind of gruesome way. Um, but uh, ultimately, they reanimate the Dean. And great line because he's already you know because he's already done all his experiments and he believes he's conquered death herbert has this like god complex already like he's already got this mm. like delusions of grandeur thing going and he even has all this like pomp and circumstance to when he reanimates people even to the point where when he's talking to or when he's about to reanimate the dean he's like you once did me a favor by letting me into your medical school welcome back to life <laughs> that's the thing you know it's just like he's so dramatic which is yeah. like it's just so it just speaks to like the the lovecraft yeah you know, i think dialogue. in general like his character just genuinely believes in what he's doing to the point of like he can change the world and kind of keep people from ever fully dying yeah he's an he is very and that's why he's almost becomes a anti-hero is because he's so earnest and probably steve mm -hmm. why he uh, you know appeals to the to the incel community is because like <laughs> he has this like almost punishery type of like if you want to make an omelet you got to break some eggs type of mentality right. you know um but you know anybody with any type of moral compass would immediately understand that he's like a fucking sociopath and he's just justifying all this stuff to himself but like if you're kind of like you know if you have like a smooth fish brain and you're sitting in your, <laughs> your, you know, parents basement, you know, uh, jerking off to anime all day long, you probably are going to be like, 
oh yeah he's a cool anti-hero right <laughs> you know i mean he's the coolest he snapped his pencil at that doctor and he told that doctor what's what and then he saved yeah. those doctors lives and he's the yeah. best yeah he's a cool guy he don't need um, he don't need no pussy he just needs his work <laughs> he don't need no pussy he just needs anime i mean science um meanwhile i've only been watching anime lately um so i'm not good on anime i just i just finished chainsaw man it's a good that's a good one that's a good one yeah i've been watching the demon city oh okay i don't know if you ever saw that yeah i remember that but one. anyway um and also rewatching um uh, attack on titan uh for like the third time oh, okay um anyway and we're not talking anime here, guys we're talking lovecraft the other incel thing um and they <laughs> think um but anyway so the dean gets sent to the asylum he's reanimated now but he's all gooned up because you know that's what happens when you reanimate somebody um but they just think he's all whacked out poo brains um and then dr hill who is again like the hot shot professor who is at odds with herbert um is kind of creepy not kind of is very much creeping on meg he's got to be in his 60s and she's like 20 early 20s mm-hmm. so it's like a very creepy thing and he's kind of like keeping the dean which is her dad almost like hostage in the asylum kind of thing you come to learn that he has lobotomized him so he can like kind of control him but he's absolutely mm-hmm. like holding it over meg's head because he's trying to creep on her um but hill dr hill shows up in the basement you know of of dan and 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 herbert's house in his basement lab and basically admits that he knows the dean is dead and you know that he brought him back to life and he's basically trying to blackmail herbert into taking credit for his discovery which is the the reagent so he's like Mm. fully admitted which which herbert gets a lot of satisfaction out of you know him admitting that he's like a genius and has done stuff that he can't do but he's also like fuck you i'm gonna blackmail you and and take your discovery um and herbert west just goes you're not taking credit for my discovery and he sneaks up behind him cracks him in the head wet bandit style with his shovel (laughs) cuts his head off and then reanimates the severed head which is so fucking great i love this scene so much he um he has him in like a pan like a like it looks like a hotel pan it's like one of those things that like you throw yeah. like dirty like instruments and stuff gauze yeah. in and when you're like performing surgery but to me it's you know working having worked in the restaurant industry it just looks like a hotel pan it's like a chafing dish <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it is uh, just a chafing dish yeah yeah for sure and then he, so he sticks his head in that and it comes back to life and he's like talking to it. Um, and uh, yeah. And then Dan comes down and, dis- you know, Dan, he, he discovers what's happened. And again, Her- Herbert just manipulates Dan so quickly. And then when he like leaves it alone, the body comes and finds the head. And I love the like violins in the scene, like the hectic, like. Hitchcockian kind of violins well isn't isn't it that Herbert he injects the head and he injects the body separately and Mm -hmm. he Herbert ignores the body because he figures because it's not attached so the body actually knocks him Mm -hmm. out 
and Dan finds oh, him. Oh, yes, right. that's right. He ignores the body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I skipped through that. Hill is able to control the body. Yeah. yeah, and Herbert was, it was almost like a, because he's all about just like when he has the opportunity, he's going to experiment. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he, he, you know, he's experimented on reanimating, you know, full corpses. He's like, can I do this just with a head? And it works brilliantly. But then he tries to do it with the body. He doesn't think he's going to get the reaction that he expects. The, 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 the body, uh, you know, creeps up on him, knocks him out. And then, um, you know, that's when the body kind of like you realize that the body and the head can act independently of one another. (laughs) It's like very cartoonish. (laughs) Yeah, I love the head like getting annoyed with the bumbling like body. It is is so (laughs) silly. I'm trying to think of like another like another film. Like I know I've seen something like that before. Um, How how about a. Oh, there's definitely a bunch of examples. Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus is one. I was just trying to think yeah. if there's like an earlier version of like, yeah, a headless body just bumbling around. I, there I just, absolutely I just, is. I know. I just I'm can't trying think to of think. One. You know a dumb one I just remembered though? Fucking what? Scrubs. You ever watch the TV show Scrubs? Oh, the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kate loves Scrubs. Yeah. yeah. J- JD is, always had fantasies of, a head, of him separating his head from his body so he could do... <laughs> diagnoses with his head and then his body could be running around doing you know fucking trauma and triage <laughs> oh, God. dumb shit I just remembered um, <laughs> um, but yeah I love that he's like getting annoyed with it and stuff um, and also the head like empties a bunch of like blood bags into the tray and the head's like drinking it up through its neck almost mm-hmm. like <laughs> like it's like a, a fish that needs water or something. I don't know. Um, but my he's favorite just constantly just like so satisfied. Yeah. It's, it's like or it's delicious. He's too. in a fucking he's like, spa. Like he's literally at a blood spa. Yeah. The the head of uh, Dr. Hill's head is just like in a hotel having band. a blast. Yeah. And it's, oh, man. Beer name or band name. Blood spa in a hotel pan. Blood spa is already a movie. <laughs> but in a hotel pan. Oh, blood spa in a hotel pan. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Blood spa. Honored, like in the- I think it's blood spa, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I believe. Yeah, I believe there's a there's death spa I think for it's sure. Blood spa, death spa. There is blood death spa. spa sorry, but blood spa death might be another what one. I was thinking of. I was thinking. I was definitely thinking of death spa. Hmm. Um. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. So my favorite, like non. Jeffrey Combs scene is um, is definitely Dr. Hill putting a fake rubber head on his body and then carrying his own head in a bag to go into the morgue. It's so Can I interject one yeah. thing. I definitely Googled blood spa yeah. and it's way too bougie for our taste. The movie it's, from what? No, no blood spa as like, it's a thing that exists. Oh, um, a real life blood spa. <laughs> what I, the first thing I'm seeing is there's a spa in Thailand that provides skin treatments based on your blood type. Mm. Oh, that's not that cool. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I can't no, like drink like blood and get bougie. like rubbed down naked in blood. Like, yeah, damn. no, I'm not seeing anything else. I, besides, I, I, so. I thought like a blood spa would be the thing where they, they take the fucking really young people blood and inject it into your own blood. <laughs> and you do oh, doping. Like some fucking Silicon Valley shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what a blood spa should be. <laughs> it's just like a, a recreational transfusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no I, I was thinking of Death Spa, which is actually a pretty entertaining, really stupid movie. Um, cool. But anyway, um, 
so this is this is the probably the most infamous you know scene in the movie which is dr hill's like headless body you know essentially sexually assaulting not essentially absolutely sexually assaulting uh barbara crampton it's pretty fucked up but it's and it's right honestly it reminds me of like the infamous scene in basket case in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. because it's all it's like very like uncomfortable and like cringy but you just it's also like really entertaining and almost like mildly funny but not like haha funny and like oh my god you guys are actually doing this funny um (laughs) and uh Interestingly enough, and I, I I meant to look into this beforehand, but I've always heard the like the thing that people talk about with this scene, which I, I did not confirm. But if any of the listeners out there can confirm this or not, I, I miss maybe one of you guys know it, too, is David Gale, who plays Dr. Hill. The, the thing I always hear about is that his marriage, real life marriage, like was allegedly like destroyed because of this scene in this performance. Oh, wow. No, I, I, like, I, I don't think I've heard that, but that's, yeah. Like his wife saw the scene, this scene, and it like his marriage ended like indirectly as a result of the scene. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe you can confirm that, but that I've been, I've heard that multiple people have told me that, or I've read that like it's, it's, it is a well like established, like, I want to say urban legend. It might be 100% true, but mm-hmm. like I, I have not confirmed it, you know, and done any research myself, but I've heard that multiple times. Um, but yeah, so so Hill, you know, Zombie Hill explains uh, that he's basically perfected this like um, method for doing lobotomies that, you know, especially when like paired with the reagent makes people into basically his zombies. So he's done this, like he's kind of laid a trap for for herbert and and brings all these you know the these corpses to life or or maybe they weren't i would assume they were corpses um because they're all like in body bags but but he 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 was intention like he was doing this before the reagent thing happened uh before he discovered you know herbert's you know had had created this reagent but in any case uh there's just like a lot of bloody naked struggling and wrestling and stuff um you know just kind of fast forwarding to, to, you know, what happens is ultimately one of my favorite scenes too, is like in this big struggle, the Dean who has been, you know, killed, reanimated, lobotomized, crushes Dr. Hill's head, like (laughs) just smashes it. Um, and, uh, you know, but then his body gets, goes kind of all wacky and, assuming because of all the reagent i don't know but it's just this big crazy chaotic you know kind of struggle scene with a lot of really great practical effects and, and like i said bride of reanimator even takes the practical effects to an even more impressive level um but yeah the whole thing is kind of uh like the whole thing even though there's a lot of comical elements to it the whole thing is played very straight it's it's like mm, there are parts that are very mean but also simultaneously like strange and funny and gross also. But mm-hmm. like it, it's it still manages to be funny and just like supremely entertaining uh, mm-hmm. the, the whole time. But anyway, um, so ultimately one of the corpses in like the last scenes, last couple of scenes is strangling Meg as they're trying to like escape um, the morgue in the basement or the basement level where the morgue is and. Um, 
in the uh, elevator and Dan runs and tries to save her, you know, hacks up the, 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 the reanimated corpse and strangle her with an ax, but it's, you know, apparently too late. Um, Cause she's, she's dead. She's, she's been strangled to death. And then the end uh, you get Dan basically making the decision in his desperation to save his love. He injects her with the reagent. She screams and credits roll. So it's a very Lovecraftian ending as well. It's a mm-hmm. very dark, very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not desolate, but um, kind of a hopeless kind of ending. Can you answer this? Yeah. Um, since I haven't seen The Bride of Reanimator, is it basically the continuation? Yes. Um, in a lot of okay. ways. Yeah. Uh, it, I don't it, know it, if it was like a Megan, like reincarnated type situation. Yeah, I, yes, in both ways, I would say. Yeah, I, um, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of this ending because, yeah, in a in a nicer movie, mm-hmm. the way this plays out, it plays out that. Uh, so, just to jump back, really to the beginning though, is this is a bookend because when mm-hmm. we are first introduced to uh, Dan, he is trying to save a patient's life and he can't. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yep. th- this is the bookend of that of now he mm-hmm. has to do the exact same thing and try to save uh, Meg's life. But mm-hmm. when the same thing happens, the same thing happens. But if this was a nicer movie, he would consider using the reagent, but then save her life, you know, mm-hmm. with the methods, mm-hmm. methods he learned as a doctor, as a regular yep. doctor, not a fucking nutcase. But this isn't <laughs> well, a nice, is he- this isn't a nice movie. So they do it this no. way. Yeah. And that's really like, like I said, this is, you know, a lot of the, 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 that's another kind of element of the whole, you know, cosmic core genre is like, mm-hmm. you know, giving in, giving into the futility of human existence and ultimately yeah. just embracing the chaos, which is what he does in this instance. And it's like, he's tries to do everything right. And he's the empathetic caring very humanistic character that wants to save people and can't give up on trying to save people even when the other doctors at the beginning are like no that like she's dead it's just like a nameless you know a woman on the on the um on the gurney they're like you know you're a good doctor but like you got to know when to quit kind of thing like he's too caring mm-hmm. he's too idealistic and all this stuff and then you have the antithesis of that, which is Herbert, who is pragmatic to a fault, jaded and just like completely naturalistic and almost like just gives in to all of his baser instincts. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Oh, and the other thing is, and like he announces it, like the reason why West is doing it, he doesn't care about people. He's just mm-hmm. doing it to get his name in the mm-hmm. in the books. Like he wants to yeah, just he just sure. wants to be the guy who who defeated death. Right. But it, and I think what's like perfect about this like bookend type situation is that this is the perfect like balance between and like even that existential crisis within yourself of like even within a moment uh what's the nuts really has to be like Am I going to give in to this thing knowing that at the end of the day, I can't save everyone, but maybe I can. I think that's like that question within yourself is like a pretty, pretty big 
Well, big it's moment. A, it's also this, this like I think theme. there's yeah there's another like I, I think one thing that you you kind of hinted on there it's like another very like dark, um like nihilist like I would say um, cynical if not nihilistic theme is this idea of Dan in his idealism believes he can save everyone and Herbert West, who is, you know, the quote unquote bad guy realizes that you can't save everyone. You just have to save yourself or what's important to you. So it's this like, greater good versus being out for yourself type of thing. But it's still interesting that Herbert West, in a sense, is creating something that could almost in essence save anyone. Well, that's the, that's the thing too, is like that mentality. And maybe like, this is part of that, that that very like cynical, um, uh, nihilistic Lovecraft element. And like, that's why I think a lot of like cosmic horror has this, this hopeless, aspect of it and not just like hopeless like you know the mist hopeless where just like everyone dies at the end it's more like this idea that you have to you can never overcome the forces of nature so just take what you can get when you can get it <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean so it's this it's um, this yeah and 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 the person who has the quote unquote less caring more callous approach to things ultimately is the one that is successful in his endeavors. Whereas the other person can't get out of the way. Like they can't let their conscience get out of its, get out of their, they can't get their conscience out of their way. Yeah. You know, although, so although I mean, it's pretty, it's, I mean, obviously because there's sequels not, but like it's kind of implied that Herbert West is killed as well because mm-hmm. uh, like he tries to save his work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because right. because all he cares about is his ego kind of thing. But yeah, in the in mm-hmm. the grander, it's implied that he dies. But like, if you just watch the first movie, you would assume that he's dead. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you know, they did do a franchise, right. and he doesn't die; he comes back. All right, um, t-shirt idea. It's some HP Lovecraftian um, like design. Or even just using the font that's used on most of his books, mm. um, but like says hopeless romantic. I just immediately, <laughs> as we were talking, I just was like, "Oh wow, everything's hopeless." But what if he's a hopeless romantic? <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, you should you should watch Re- Bride Reanimator because it 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 I, will. it I will for sure. It it almost like I mean the character of Herbert West isn't as like Dan's character becomes more interesting in the second one. Mm. Um, but anyway uh yeah so that i mean that's 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 short and sweet that's kind of where uh where i'm at with uh with reanimator yeah i like like i said movie i've seen a hundred times i think it hits on all the big themes of you know can we talk can i ask a question then too um because i feel like it's good for us to keep these short and sweet as a descriptors but like um in your mind, based on like what you said, what are the things like if you're the second choice, what are your favorite moments as far as like what really hits on this genre? Mm-hmm. Just like bullet points. You don't need to go yeah. into detail, but bullet points. Yeah. You're like, this movie hits these three points or one, yeah. two points or one point. Yeah. I mean, so, so the, you know, the, the unknowable 
or or sacred or ancient knowledge thing, um, I think is a big part of almost all my favorite Lovecraft stories and and like the genre as a whole or the subgenre as a whole is this idea that like humans have this instinctual and I mean, you even say like evolved desire to understand the nature of themselves and existence and creation and all this stuff, right? So they put mm-hmm. all this shit into their society and pump it into their brains to understand, to try to make sense of their existence, sure. um, whether it be God mm-hmm. or or what happens after you die or how you should live or whatever. But we can't. We never. Mm. We never have. We never will, you know, humans aren't meant to know these things, but in cosmic horror, they get a peek under the, under the tent and they can't deal with what they see because they're not equipped to do that. It's like trying to explain the internet to a dog, you know what I mean? (laughs) So like we as humans can't comprehend nor should we ever been be given the um, ability to conquer death but in this instance in this fictional instance we have we're given a thing mm-hmm. that just brings you back to life but it results in 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 cosmic chaos right. um and i think this like that is obviously very much on display here i think there's a lot of um, Lovecraft stories that it's less scientific. It's more, um, not spiritual, but like you fall down a hole, you find something in the hole you shouldn't find that explains the nature of it or, or it answers some questions and it normally (laughs) presents as many new questions as it answers. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. but that's like one of the hallmarks of the of the subgenre of not just like weird fiction and cosmic fiction, but, but obviously cosmic horror films. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the other thing is like the futility and the, the like running against a brick wall that humans are programmed to do and will always do. And in this instance, we're all going to die. Everyone's going to die. We're not equipped to be able to understand that. So it's terrifying. So we go to such grotesque lengths to alleviate that fear Mm -hmm. and obviously that's something that's that's you know in every scene of this movie i would say um and then yeah i mean i i guess those are the those are the i mean you you definitely hit some points i think those are great points those are the big two or three that you see a lot in in this movie Mm -hmm. i'd say cool you got anything steve I'm not going to help him out. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll say I'll say the one thing about this film is if you go into it without having a background in Lovecraft or having mm-hmm. a background in Cosmic Horror, I don't think those themes are going to hit you quite as hard because I th- mm-hmm. it's a little. I mean, it's it's pretty jokey. It's pretty fast moving. You don't have a lot of time yep. to ruminate on those things. And Mm. even the characters themselves don't spend a lot of time ruminating on it because, uh, like I said, you have Herbert West, who is uh, like he's out for just the fame and fortune. He's not really thinking about what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Hill becomes like a fucking arch villain. 
He's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like. You, to your point, Steve, um, do you think, um, do you know, have any reflection on like if the book was this humorous in a sense? I'm just not, curious. No, I don't no, know if either the, of you guys the, this, Right. So they took definitely liberty in there. Yeah. And, and I would say like, like, I agree with Brian and so on, <laughs> but, but like, sure. It, I think this, it, I would think this is more of a lesser work in the cosmic sense. I think it just gets thrown in there because, uh, because it is directly from Lovecraft, but like mm-hmm. reanimator, mm-hmm. there's the other one where like, there's the, 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 the dying doctor in the, in the apartment below, there's the zombie who doesn't know he's a zombie. Like those mm-hmm. are those mm-hmm. are Lovecraft works that are like they're kind of they're kind of cosmic horror. But I think like the bigger stuff, like in the mountains of madness, you know, where yeah. you really the run Dagon-y in type of thing. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. where you really run into like oh god, Old god shit. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, what the yeah, fuck yeah. is this world around me now? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Th- those things are just like you don't see those in film adaptations as much because some of the Lovecraftian stories, like one of my favorite ones, and um, I haven't read in a while, and the name is escaping me right now. But there's a story, and it's it's part of the larger Cthulhu mythos, and and even ties into like the Dagon stuff. Is like this i this one where this guy is like walking on this like like desolate beach or whatever and they realize that like the beach that he's walking on is like this giant living breathing thing Mm -hmm. that's like this you know giant old god sea monster thing like that would be so hard to make into a movie right (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) but like these smaller tighter stories are 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 are, you know for a low budget horror movie are a little bit more doable Mm -hmm. so that's probably why you see that a little bit more um yeah yeah. it's also just in general hard to like put on screen very internal thoughts. Mm-hmm. So like the color out of space is something that you're supposed to really yeah. reflect upon. And like when they did it as a film with Nick Cage, it's just like, Oh, creatures. Yeah. That glow. It's cool. I mean, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, cool. it's a good movie, but like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think you spend as much time reflecting on the horror of your wife and child being fused as one, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you just yeah. go, Ooh, gross. Icky. <laughs> well, that's why I like the, and, and I would say, um, like two things that you mentioned. One is I agree that like, if you don't really, if you're not a fan of like weird fiction and, and, um, horror, like cosmic horror writing, um, because like I said, this genre this subgenre takes better to a literary environment than a film environment just because of so much such of the, the big the big nebulous ideas. Um, so if you don't have that background or haven't read a lot of that type of stuff, then it, you could absolutely just breeze right by that. But I think that's what's so great about it is it it's so universally easy to appreciate because mm-hmm. you can just appreciate it for the fun practical effects and the zany characters and the and the gross out you know gore stuff and the, the you know the 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 great lines right um and 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 they try to and and jeffrey combs does i think a fantastic job and like people sometimes give him a hard time for being a really cartoony <laughs> almost over actor not almost an over actor in a lot of scene in a lot of movies but like this i just feel like he just communicates it so well because you get the idea that herbert west 
has thought at great lengths about what, like when you said he doesn't really think about what he's doing in the moment, he might not, he's very reactive, but you get, when he has all these like, <laughs> like, um, grandiose statements he makes, you can tell that he is, you know, sat in his incel basement oh, yeah. and really I mean, ruminated on what he, what he has accomplished, but in a, in a very self-serving way. Right. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. reflecting on how this is going to look for him, but he's mm-hmm. not reflecting on the bigger picture of like, what does it mean to cure death? He's reflecting on what does it mean for Herbert yeah. West to be the guy who cure, cured death? Well, he's also like, he's that type. And I think it's like that, that super motivated, like sociopathic level motivation that you have to have to be like unbelievably successful in something that you do is that he does not care. Mm-hmm. Everything outside of his desire to achieve this monumental achievement, good, bad, or indifferent, really doesn't matter because achieving and progressing and moving forward is the most important thing at any expense. Yeah. And I th- so he's yeah yeah, and I think that's something we'll see with the character of Doctor Samuel Weir in the next <laughs> in the film yeah. Event Horizon. <laughs> yeah, 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 very much so. So, all right, let's jump into it. Yeah, go ahead, Meg. Let's talk about that. Is my turn? Yeah, yeah. Is it my turn now? Yeah, sure is. Sick, <laughs> <laughs> guys. Mm. Event Horizon. Yeah, a yeah. Classic from 1997, directed by Paul W S Anderson. This movie is. Pretty incredible. I remember the first time I watched it, um, just like even just like from the beginning, it's just like immediately it's just a very jarring film and like hits you with just a lot of like very spooky moments that you weren't expecting. But Mm -hmm. basis of this movie is which is kind of crazy to think about a movie that came out in 97 basing a horror film in the future and thinking that 2047 is like the future and that's well didn't they what? say like 2015 they started like colonizing mars or something and it, yeah, yeah it's the first like moon that. base like and right past that moon. Yeah, yeah the moon yeah these are like weird things to like this to also now. is like i i don't think this is a coincidence this is the same <laughs> year that the movie trucks came out <laughs> 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 sorry i couldn't help it just derailing <laughs> don't let him derail you like that meg <laughs> So I was actually ignoring what he said. I know it had to do with trucks, which is also a great film. I'm not going to let it derail me, though. So basis. So we're talking 2047. Um, th- there's a distress signal picked up in this like BFE Neptune. Because mm-hmm. I can say that because this is 2047 and apparently we've already colonized Mars. Elon Musk, get on that. Mm-hmm. If you're going to, you piece of shit. Um <laughs> <laughs> you piece of shit <laughs> you piece of shit uh i'm just yeah we're I'm, again trying to get uh traction trying to get us some money maybe in the future yeah um by talking shit on yeah. uh use your, you, uh, use your bully you powers for good meg <laughs> <laughs> yeah i will i will bully that fucking so, dork into sponsoring us <laughs> with his spacex dollars <laughs> well no it's gonna be the people who also hate him we're like yeah let's throw money at these bitches because they're on the same page mm-hmm so this rescue vessel, uh, Lewis and Clark, which I find to be very interesting of a name, but we won't mm-hmm. dive into that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
is dispatched to investigate, but somehow uh, Dr. Weir, played by uh, Samuel Sam Neal, mm-hmm. who we also saw on position mm-hmm. um is also on the ship which is completely like throwing the entire crew off and captain miller is just like this is a very awkward situation he's just not for a rando being on a ship well he um, he invented he created the designed the ship that they're going on the um and we didn't i don't yeah. think we fully knew that until like we saw it like are we kind of like slowly learned that after they went through their stasis period where they were like sleep for 56 yeah, they, days yeah they had I, to get I, there it didn't seem to be completely yeah it, we were not it was not revealed immediately no, but you're right. i don't yep. want to like totally dim dim against like this entire crew or entire uh cast for this movie which we obviously have sam neill playing dr william weir um we have lawrence fishburne playing oh, Captain Miller. larry Bad good old mother. larry fishburne Love me some Larry Fishburne. Two showdowns in a row for Larry. He's just so fucking amazing. Um, Julie Richardson, she like reminds me of someone, another actress or actor, um, but I can't put my finger on it. But also you've seen her in other movies. She reminds me of, uh, you know, she reminds me of a little bit is the... um, Oh my God! What's hit, what's Sam Neill's co-star in Laura Jurassic Dern. Park? Laura Dern. Yes, that's who, that's she who it is. Me of Laura that's Dern. who it yeah. is. Yes. Okay, that's who it was. Because I feel like we were talking about Jurassic Park, and her face came into mind. Yep, mm-hmm. that's who it is. Uh, Jason Isaacs. Again, I don't know exactly where he came from, but his face is insanely um, familiar. Uh, Jack Noseworthy. You're going to say well. handsome. Again. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I mean, everyone. There are some. There are a lot well, of handsome men is. in I this mean, he, film. Yeah. It's a very yeah, attractive he, cast. He's a good-looking man. Yeah. Yeah, across the board. I mean, I again, he's, some he's, of these people, uh, I'm Lucius like, Malfoy. I don't know exactly where I've seen them. Yeah. Really? Well, he's a Harry, Wait, po- oh, Harry yeah, Potter. Yeah, Jason Isaacs, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. Um, but yeah, even Richard T. Jones, again, can't put a finger on exactly what I've seen him in, but I've seen him in shit like that. Um, but getting back to the story, so they get basically sent out to this random BFE Neptune whatever the fuck that is. Um, go through stasis. Are you just hearing of the planet Neptune just now? <laughs> you're, su- you're suggesting to me that we, that maybe you have never heard of Neptune. No, but I like the way that it like describe where they're going as like this, some, so like some sort of like decaying orbit of Neptune around Neptune. Yeah, yeah. And that's why, that's what I'm saying. BFE. Of I Neptune. know it just sounded like you didn't know what Neptune <laughs> yeah. was. No, it just reminds me of my hometown. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So it's it's off the like, beaten yeah, path. It's a BFE like, somewhere in New York. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have heard of it. It's fine. Well, they even go as far as to say like, no, is, didn't they say like no rescue mission or something had ever gone that far out and returned right yeah one of, yeah. i feel like they said like one yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so this is a pretty extreme mission everyone's just like insanely intense like or like freaking out in the first place about it mm-hmm. but any hoops they get to basically close enough to bfe neptune i'm gonna refer to it that entire time guys just as a fyi mm-hmm. um hope mm-hmm. you're okay with it mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. <laughs> and they finally are now being debriefed by Dr. William Weir about what's going on is that this ship event horizon had gone missing 
what was it? Seven years prior, like longer mm-hmm. than that. I think it's seven mm-hmm. years. And basically all of a sudden they got a blip. They're like, this ship is back somehow. And we learned the that is, the bitch uh, is back. <laughs> the bitch is back. She's badder than ever. Um, literally badder than ever. Uh, and so be, what, uh, Dr. William Weir, it was, he was working with the NSA. And so this basically, basic project that he was working on to send event horizon out was basically to work on how they can bend space and time to instead of like go around things or go through one of these black holes again i don't understand the science behind the space uh because i'm dumb (laughs) but the whole idea is that they wanted to basically bend space to go through it and that makes sense to me yeah it's like it's one of these things where he he goes to say like he he basically says oh like in layman's terms we can travel at the speed of light yes but they're like no you can't and he's like well it's not actually what happens what really happens is we fold you know, the space time continuum in a way that allows us to, you know, jump through like a wormhole. You made it I don't sound think less they, hick than I did. Thank you. Well, they don't say wormhole, but yeah. like, that's kind of what they're t- talking like yeah, as yeah, a sci-fi like, dork, like everyone else just calls it a wormhole. Like I was hearing his explanation. Sure. Like, it's a wormhole. Say wormhole. Yeah. <laughs> say yeah. Wormhole. Whatever, whatever <laughs> it would specifically be, <laughs> say wormhole. Uh, whatever it would specifically be. Yeah. The whole idea is like they like were able to bend this space st- and time essentially to go through it. And what we come to find out eventually, um, um, is somehow the ship came back. What we th- so then okay, I'm going to jump to that. We now found the ship. We attached to the ship and we start exploring. Mm. And all of a sudden, from the beginning, they're like, "What the fuck happened?" Going here? through the fridge. <laughs> what do you guys got? Yeah. You guys got beers? Like, what are you doing? Did you have peanut butter? Do you got yeah. peanut butter? They got plenty. Of, they got plenty of cold ones on there. Corpses. Yeah, dogs. <laughs> <laughs> jokes, 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 jokes. Got jokes. Uh, <laughs> um, we got blood splatter. We got dead bodies. Yeah, just um, we piles of guts. And yeah. There's a lot of casual yeah, so gore. The first thing, <laughs> though, before they get on the ship that I want to make a note about is I think it's Stark. Mm-hmm. Um, notes that they they try to find like any sort of biological um, blip on the ship to see if there's anything living at Mm -hmm. that time. And they come to find out that every, the, it's just spread out through whole throughout the whole ship. So almost as if like, it's not just one thing, like it would be like a circle. It's Mm -hmm. the entire ship. So somehow they kind of are hinting that maybe the ship ships alive. They don't totally say it right then and there, but they're like, something's going on with the ship. Mm -hmm. And so that's when they get on to find, dead bodies they find that basically there's like looks like a huge massacre here mm-hmm. um and justin is one of the first victims of sorts he basically comes to find this it's almost like these uh entryways to wherever they went or perhaps when they were in the other universe if we want to call that mm-hmm. um Dim- when it took or dimension ship, or something yeah. dimension yeah it's almost like creating different dimensions like within the ship and um 
So Justin basically finds one of these where it's like this goo and or perhaps it is literally the alien of sorts that's on this ship now that is attack is like attacking him. Um, or it's, but it's like part of the dimension. Is it is it yeah. meant to be like a like a pocket looks like dimension? A that yeah, like, it looks like a portal of sorts, but it's I don't know. Yeah, it came to like they this. ended up going to like the way I've understood it. I've seen this movie a I think this is the third time I've seen it, maybe the second, but like the way I took it is in there. This is the, the cosmic horror element of it is like the, the unknowable, um, the, the, the forbidden knowledge that humans took on that they shouldn't have is they figure out how to do this jumping into wormhole shit, but then they didn't really understand how it was working so then in the interim between getting to from point A to point B, they ended up in an interim spot. That's not cool. <laughs> like that's like basically hell. Yeah. Or what we think of as hell. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. They, exactly. They, they basically call it like a chaos dimension at some point as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, yeah. it's hard to tell if I feel we're like I'm living in a chaos dimension. <sighs> oh, that's a good fucking Beer name. Chaos, Chaos dimension. dimension. TM, 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 TM. That's a barley wine for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for sure. Wait, what was my other one? Uh, blood spa at the what? Blood spa oh, in the hotel blood pan. Blood spa hotel pan, yeah. Blood spa in the hotel pan. And Chaos, Chaos dimension. Chaos what? Chaos dimension. Yeah. Chaos dimension. <laughs> TM, TM, TM. It's on record now. You can't brew those. bitches. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna brew them. No, no, I'm saying the audience. The audience can't brew oh, them. You yeah. can brew them. Exactly, mm. I can. Yeah, Meg will cease and desist mm. you so hard. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna fucking bully the fuck out of you. Watch, these are already on untapped, guys. This is fucking dumb. These are pretty good names, though. Anywho, let's talk about chaos and mention for two seconds. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I didn't know if Steve. Steve was about to say. Oh no, I, I was just gonna say. Yeah, off. no, they. No, it's it's. We don't know if it's like literal Christian hell or just traveling right. to a dimension that is just insanity all the time. Yeah, I took it as yeah. like, oh, there's so many beers called Chaos Dimension. Um, <laughs> by the way, I just looked on tap. But anyway, um, yeah, I took it as like, I took it as like, it's our little ant brains call it hell. But in reality, there's a million hells and these dickheads sure. just happen to stumble on one of them. Mm-hmm. You know what this like kind of like the videos. So, uh, of course, with throughout this, they find like um, a video and a sound like found recordings that they were able to start pulling like sound from. And then eventually like we're able to look at video. It's like some of the video elements of this kind of reminded me of Hellraiser in a sense. Oh, really, yeah. I mean, this whole this yeah. whole film is a pastiche of like other horror movies. And it like mm. it's it's hard for me to believe that Wes Paul Anderson Paul Wes Anderson whatever his fucking name is it's hard Paul W S Anderson Paul W W F Anderson names actually have a friend who has two middle names just just refer to him as who he is writer and director of such films as Resident Evil the Final Chapter Resident Evil Afterlife yeah. He, he basically but. he did all the Resident Evil movies and he did all the Death Race movies and he directed Mortal Kombat, which Mortal Kombat's fine. <laughs> that's great. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. But like, oh, I watched it Mortal one Kombat. thousand times when I was a kid. Yeah. 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 
You're just coming at it. Your your tone is coming at it. No, I'm just Get I'm just out. I'm just shocked that the, he made this movie. But it, the movie itself is like a total pastiche of other horror movies. Like the ships are great designs. Like they look like the Nostromo from Alien. Yeah, with how totally. dirty they are. Yeah. Like sure. everything you said about like the chaos dimension looking like Hellraiser stuff, and even one of the characters says like I have such things to show you. You know, mm-hmm. so like, yeah, I mean, do you do? You, OK, so the one thing that I do like about this that I don't know, which I think brings it back to this subgenre. And I think it's probably one of the more important things, too, is that because the ship, in essence, in a differential way from what we're saying is like pulling elements from other films, which that's fine. That fucking happens is that like the ship has a sense of like infiltrating people's minds figuring out their fears and using it against them to a, to a point where they don't understand what is real and what is not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that is one of the biggest sticking points with this outside of the fact that we are dealing with alien spaceships and yada, yada, yada. But I don't think that's as interesting as more of the existential nature of like some of the things that go on within the ship of sorts. Um, yeah, I mean, so, the, the location doesn't, it doesn't have to be a spaceship. This could have just as easily no. been an underground base that does mm-hmm. the same thing. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah. Totally. Yeah, this, the, the ship just became a vessel for the un, the unknowable, unspeakable chaos think, to come back in. Yeah, and I think the other element that this movie brings in that is its differential method is like it's bringing the science element of like the bedding space and time and going to a different fucking dimension of sorts and mm-hmm. it almost being a sp- place of hell. It's like that again. We talk about the fear of the unknown. We talk about like we don't fucking know what is all of this exploration that we really should do and what we want to do. We don't know what the fuck is on the other side. And with all the brilliant scientists we have out there, oh, yeah, someone could literally find a dimension or a different realm or like a planet of sorts that literally. Yeah, goddamn aliens. Fucking hell. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Some it's just bitch a completely and different thing. Um, and like what our hell is versus what their hell is, that might not be the case. You know, like it might be, they might think living on Earth is hell, actually. I think so too. But like, um, besides the point, yeah. Uh, I think these are two really like even just all the things we're talking about. Like, I think these are great sticking points for like why this is a great cosmic horror film. Mm-hmm. And like, then add this layer that um, I'm trying to think of even the graphic nature of the other two in comparison is that I feel like this one. And again, this is like a tertiary thing for me is like the graphic horror element of it, mm-hmm. especially with a subgenre. I don't think it's super important for it to be like very graphic, but I think it is an interesting like adds an, a layer of tension to the whole film that i think is yeah I th- it adds it adds something i also liked yeah. it adds in like it i mean just by us seeing it visually we get an, a sense of like how it's driving the people on the ship mad mm-hmm. totally so yeah even like what's the little baby-faced guy's name like Justin, that Justin. is so Lovecraftian. Mm-hmm. The way oh, that like eyes getting he way he got killed. Well, not even that died. is what he says before he like basically yeah. depressurizes himself. Mm-hmm. Is like like there's a thing in which a lot of like literary types really make fun of Lovecraft for this because mm-hmm. he, everything, a lot of his stories, he just basically says like. It's the unknowable 
chaos evil thing where he just goes like it was so scary you couldn't even imagine how scary <laughs> sure. it is. Like that's kind of what he says. And it that's would shatter like your I've... mind to imagine it even. <laughs> yeah, if you imagine the scariest I mean, thing ever that, times though, a million. Like that's yeah, kind of what Lovecraft does, but I like totally, it. I'm a sucker for it. The time and place of it though yeah. is like imagine reading that when he would have written that. And mm-hmm. that would have probably been yeah. scary as fuck. But honestly, in that scene... What is more scary is that when he just all of a sudden gets out of like switches out of that mm-hmm. and he's just like, oh, no, save me. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, oh yeah. God. And you feel it's for like the little baby face. Yeah, boy. You get this emotional drive to it that it brings you into the fucking story. And I think that's also an important element. And I mean, I think possession does a lot. Of, I mean, it did a lot for me in that in that way. And I think sometimes when someone can a movie can not only like emote like fear from me, but also then bring me in emotionally. I, I love the balance of these type of things. I think it's, it's just way more impactful, which is probably what has drawn me to this genre or subgenre in general. Um, so, um, I'm just going to highlight, uh, Captain Miller's story of sorts because he kind of like kept going back to this whole, his story was basically like someone got left behind and ended or someone ended up like getting caught on fire and they were in space. And, you know, he talked about in detail about how the fire looked on this guy. So he was basically being haunted by this guy that caught on fire and that he, mm. The only, to save his entire crew had to leave behind and he's been yeah it was like all like shit forever. from their past like was getting yeah, brought up like this completely. is th- this this evil from wherever the fuck it came from neptune or some it, bullshit yeah. well it's not from neptune it's from the pocket dimension <laughs> no. or whatever anyway it's it, a bfe wormhole yeah it knows what it, it what affects you the most mm-hmm. exactly it uses yeah. again which is why the hellraiser like aspect of it i'm like mm. but again i feel like maybe it's a reversal of like because i've seen hell i saw hellraiser before i've ever saw this that i'm like maybe that's why it's reminding me of it but mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure this story was probably written prior or maybe not i don't know what no if this story was written prior or not no this is an this is this is this is an original script and like it also lifts a lot of other stuff from clive barker like yeah clive barker wrote uh the hellbound heart way before this 70s or something right late 70s 70s 80s yeah way before this he also wrote the what would become Candyman way before this Mm. and Mm. before Candyman. that's it that's it um, but I was getting at too with Miller about his story is the whole idea of like he didn't want to leave anyone behind again being true captain nature yada 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 so um, he basically is like we um, William Dr. William Weir keeps Bogue or like getting in the way of every plan to try to get the original ship the Lewis and Clark out of there because he is now so drawn to the ship he also helped like design and build the ship um so like this is his baby but he's also being sucked in by the nature of the ship so when they're trying to get Lewis and Clark out I think one of the first things does he basically as they're repairing it um from a big like hole they got in it he then put a bomb right where they would the two ships connected again completely destroying that ship and then they come to find out that on the event event horizon is that they could blow half of the ship and get the other one out safely um 
which there's like a little everything. escape. Isn't like the front of the ships like can be a little. It's like a little, not an escape pod, but it's, a, it's not kind of like yeah. That, it's right? like it's like a life system. It's like a life pod, lifeboat system, and yeah. then just mm-hmm. like the the bridge connects one to the it connects the lifeboat to the yeah. fucking gravity drive. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, trying to think of all the nature because this is like when she's just kind of going chaotic because we're completely basically ends up falling prey to the ship just as much as he was just like following it for a while like he was enchanted and then basically fell prey because his wife committed suicide i'm assuming while he was on a trip yeah yeah basically the way i interpreted it yeah she Um, she commits always away for all of this Mm -hmm. yeah she commits suicide because of he he was working on the ship, and so it like gives him it gives him the old shining treatment, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. dead lady in a bathtub. Mm-hmm. Yep, but she at least had nice boobs. So <laughs> hey, we at least got that. Um, <laughs> that's the shining. Is, that's the, my biggest gripe with the shiny is like there's no good boobs. Boobs are well. I mean, they're they're, they're okay for a minute, but then they get ugly. <laughs> Well, oh, oh yeah, well, I guess like, it starts then out and then in the tub, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's a real boner killer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think so, about, about that scene as a boner killer. I think one of the fun, most fun scene is like, so after Weir gets his eyes gouged out and he's just like, where we're we going, you don't need to see. It's just like this really haunting, like, interaction. Um and but he is i think so again the ship itself i think is still an like um an organism of sorts so it's still very reactive so um when they blew the other ship off i'm trying to think of his name cooper basically got blown off with the part that exploded but was able to get back to the ship and we are basically in his state was very reactive shot a hole through one of the windows um but anywho where we're going at with now is Cooper gets back on the ship um, with Stark and basically, uh, why am I always forgetting fucking names? Captain Miller is like, I'm going to, I'm going to detonate all of these bombs manually. I'm mm-hmm. going to do this. Um, so basically allowing not only Stark, Cooper, and also Justin, because when Justin was saved, he was basically put in stasis. So yeah, he's that- not he's not in great shape, but he's still <laughs> he's kicking. Yeah. yeah, he's still alive. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, we're basically just gonna freeze you where you are. Um, and that's again, gonna be great think- when he wakes up. He's like, ow! <laughs> <laughs> it all hurts so bad. Ow! Why'd you guys wake me up? This sucks. <laughs> um. So we're getting definitely towards the end here, as I think I already pointed out some of the highlight points of it, but even just how haunting this situation was once they were actually saved. Um, like I liked that there was almost like dreams within dreams that kind of threw you off and got you invested. You're like, Oh my God, they're never getting out. Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like I, I think, so basically there was a second rescue mission for the ship that basically was detached from event horizon and actually now that i'm questioning it that might have been been all in their head too because i think this ship just basically has a way of like creating these like nightmares and dreams at the same time well i think it was like one of those things where so so 
it's whatever this entity that came back from the other dimension that is infecting or infesting the ship. Um, Because it's like, it's like a ghost ship in a way. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's not the ship itself. The ship ultimately was the catalyst for being able to visit the dimension, but the, the entity that is now trying to survive and, and like use its, you know, the kind of chaos, like, you know, kind of preying on the chaos that it creates, if Mm -hmm. you will. Um, I took it as it's luring more people to it. Yeah. I don't know if that's explicitly said, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's explicitly said either because it almost seems like, I guess towards the end that like they are in theory rescued, but that dream within the dream, like really leads you to believe that no matter what they were doing, they were going to never get off that ship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to tell whether or not, you know, that that's the way things are. Um, because like earlier in the film you get a you get a dream within a dream sequence with Weir because he thinks you know he's been uh, he, his wife is a, you know alive or whatever and then he wakes up mm-hmm. again but I think right. I don't know the other the other big sticking point with me about this that ends really well as a as a cosmic horror film is the way Miller sacrifices himself and he's in the gravity drive part of the ship when it goes mm-hmm. back to hell and he's still alive. Yeah. Like you have, you just have to imagine like, Oh, Miller just, you know, sentenced himself back to hell and like, or sentenced himself to hell. And like, he now has to live in that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I wonder if like, and they never really, at least, to my recollection, explain the nature of, I mean, the gravity drive is essentially like the heart of the ship, right? Mm-hmm. It's the thing that allows mm-hmm. them to, to travel, you know, between the dimensions or, or jump yeah. through a dimensional wormhole to another time. Yeah. Um, but they never really explain why the entity that came back with them is, somehow connected to the gravity drive i almost like took it as it was like this energy source like they were able to use it you know to like kind of like almost like um what are we talking about either like a windmill of windmill of sorts yeah it was like like the catalyst i guess i guess you're not really supposed to know and i think that's also reflecting of the whole like uh forbidden knowledge thing because sam neill's character was like almost stumbled upon it. Like he was brilliant enough to harness it to a certain extent, right. but he didn't mm-hmm. understand the true nature of what he was creating, obviously. But um, I also think it was a matter of like when he went to the other dimension, the other dimension was smarter than him and knew how to use this to their benefit. I think that was like the bigger point. Yeah. It was almost like a, 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 a you know, an insect gets into the house and ends up in a jar. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can, you can also think of it as like a radiation leak. Because mm. the the drive never fully closes when they come back. Mm-hmm. So, like, your proximity to it affects you in different ways. So, like, Cooper mm. Cooper and Smith, 
they don't want to be on or Cooper and Smith are repairing the Lewis and Clark. So they're mm-hmm. off the event horizon. And then mm-hmm. like Weir is the most connected. So he is affected by it. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Miller and uh, oh, what's her name? I forget. The Laura mom. Dern. The one yeah, that, the mom. Yeah. Like they, they have. Oh, yeah. The mom. Yeah. yeah. Like they have things that Dern. weigh on them <laughs> in guilty ways. Right. And then, mm-hmm. like, Justin has full contact because he goes through the gate to the other side. So, like, he yeah. he gets he he steps on the ele- elephant's foot in Chernobyl. He goes through yeah. and gets a full dose. Or this is, I was using, I, I, in my mind, I immediately went to Prince of Darkness, and he's the guy who the devil pissed through his mouth. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's a little yeah. bit like the Prince of Darkness. Like, yeah. But that's the leak, you know, the devil's starting yeah. to leak out of the thing. And in this instance, it's just a damn wormhole to a devil dimension instead of the devil has been trapped in a in a dang secret of the use cylinder for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Justin, the, the devil pissed in Justin's mouth. Everyone else was just along for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> Again, this movie builds itself up from the parts of other films. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I the one thing we uh, you, you skipped over, Meg, that you didn't bring up was the the whole uh, the video screen everybody gets the the Barate Te XX Furnace. Oh yeah, no, and but I felt like that was like more. Well, I mean, it's a, it's such an it was an inspiration for the Zayo album. How do you not remember the Zayo oh. album? <laughs> Uh, I wasn't really into Zao. I literally only saw them for the first time this past year. So oh. maybe I'm just a bad person who's into metal. So this um, is fine. This is over my head. This is I don't know who there, these people are. There was what you're talking Zao about. is a metal band from Greensburg, dude, which is hilarious to me. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were really popular when we were probably like 16, 17. Okay. And, the, and their first yeah, their first like album of- was Liberate Teix in Furnace. Oh, which was a reference to this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I would have not actually caught that, but it's fine. Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, I I feel like I didn't want to like go into too much like graphic detail of like all like every little nitty gritty scene, but that one, I mean, it's definitely was, it. I think my first takeaway was like, it definitely reminded me of Hellraiser mm-hmm. and I feel like it was very graphic, which aided, like I already talked about this as like this movie had way more elements of like horror and like, graphic like brutality in it and i i did like that a lot more than say like the other two in that in that regards to this sort of subgenre yeah i mean yeah i but that's, this well, is that's the really first, all i have to say about it <clears throat> i remember this is the first movie that i remember seeing that because i think i saw this movie before i saw um before I saw Prince of Darkness. But mm-hmm. now that I think about it, not only the, what I was talking about, which is, you know, the, the the containment leak, if you will, you know, element of it, but also Prince of Darkness does the whole gooey portal too. Yeah. Yeah. The, the mirror portal. Yeah. 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 But it's a, it's a, it's a but gooey, it's a-, it's a gooey mirror. And then this is just like tar. Right. But it's a no, similar but I feel concept. Like that's just one element of that film. I don't think like when I think about if we're talking about portals for this film, I think the bigger thing that we're talking about is basically the folding of that time and space. I, I mean, and mm. like it being a catalyst to bring 
the ship to a completely other dimension that could be hell of sorts or a type mm-hmm. of hell. Yeah. So I mean, I, th- I feel like what we were experiencing as a comparison was just like a smaller element to that versus like it being completely derivative there. But yeah, I mean, I think uh, I'm sure there's more arguments that you could make here, but no, it definitely has, um, you know, some, some, I don't, I don't think it is unfair or really a, that big of a damnation, you know, a damning thing about the movie to say that it took from a lot of other sci-fi, sci-fi horror and cosmic horror flicks. You know what I mean? Mm. I mean, I mean, everything does, you know? Yeah, no, it's just, it's, it's the fact that this one actually does it effectively and does it well. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, it's aside from some of the bad CGI and like the opening credit song, it holds up pretty well. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 1997 was tough for the, for music mm-hmm. and for CGI. Yeah. Well, also, it's mm-hmm. just tough because I think Paul Anderson's only into electro and techno because you think he it really <laughs> seems to be. Hey, think about I'm not his gonna movies, lie, guys. I'm pretty sure if I would have been introduced to that, or like when I was in high school, I might have had a phase. Yeah, a pretty hard face that I would probably be still into now because I'm getting way too into like shoegaze and industrial music now as an adult. (laughs) Yeah, it just happens. You know, we all again. I'd buy a pair of trip pants right now. I'm just saying. (laughs) Also, let's be clear. This is not Paul Thomas Anderson. Not at all. This is Paul W. S. Anderson, which I do believe Mm -hmm. we've now confused a couple of this is not there will be blood boogie nights <laughs> no. magnolia uh you know the master licorice pizza paul anderson this is resident clear. evil apocalypse <laughs> mortal combat <laughs> death race for beyond beyond anarchy I mean, i mean you already, you already mentioned mortal Kombat, so we're already good <laughs> um all right so, are are we ready to vote? I think I am. All right, all right, Meg. Why don't you? Why don't we go with? Damn it! No. Why don't we go? Why don't we go with Meg? Go first. Why don't we see about Meg, Meg go first? Go first on Meg this. go first. I don't like. I don't. Meg. Go, oh, <laughs> I'm we, choosing my we, film then. Why don't we? Why don't okay, we? Um, my first pick is my own film. Why don't we Meg go first? All right, but what's your second pick? Why don't we Meg go first? Well, why don't Meg go first? This is like a hard. This is actually. This is why I didn't. I'd rather be the deciding factor because I think it would. I'm help. sure you would. No, and not because I'm trying. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm it's just nothing to do with my time. own film. It's more so because Reanimator has quickly since I've seen it probably for the first time in the last year and a half um, became a. It's like a favorite. I would rewatch it many times in my life. I will mm. rewatch it many times in my life. Possession, on the other hand, had such an impact on me upon the first time watching it that I still think about it from time to time. And I've never felt so triggered by a movie. And then I also felt like it was very poetic and beautiful, but also very fucked up. But also at the end of the day, wasn't my favorite film and I probably won't watch it many more times in my life. It'll be like a once every five to 10 years type movie. 
mm-hmm. that I'd revisit it. So that's kind of where my dilemma comes into play. Whereas one was insanely impactful. And I, the reason I wouldn't watch it is because of how triggering it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Um, then go with your heart and pick the one with interpretive dance. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me what to do with my life. Um, what represents cosmic horror better? And if we're talking about existentialism, we're talking about things that make you like kind of like not really understand what reality is. I think possession is a better representation of it. Hmm. Maybe. I mean, less. it's like there's not really a lot of science elements to it. So I understand that's part of it. And there's definitely arguments, Brian, and I'm not, picking possession for any other reason I think like there's there's so many times where you're like I don't even understand what I'm looking at right now mm-hmm. and I think for this significant impact it had on me I again that's insanely I, I respect that possession's, I insanely, a, it's insanely possession's a fantastic flick don't get me wrong it, is. it was um, it was again I won't watch it probably for another five years but yeah it, it sticks with you for sure I will say just because you know being a little bit you know, being more of a of a uh, a fan of um, of like weird fiction, like literary weird fiction, and and you know, cosmic horror, and having list listen, I I've listened to like nine bajillion episodes of like an HP Lovecraft podcast, like so I'm a big fan like of his, so I I I get that I'm coming from a different angle. I am gonna vote for mine first, but I am probably gonna pick Event Horizon for mine. Not because I think it's a better movie. I actually think Possession is a better movie, but Event Horizon has great performances. Don't get me wrong. I mean, look at look at the cast. Fantastic cast. Like, there's no there's no bad. It's not like we're talking about a shit cast versus a good cast here. Um, but I do really think that it represents cosmic horror or it represents the elements of cosmic horror that I want to see more. Um, so that's why I'm going to pick Van Horizon. Huh. Sick. Hmm. 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 Yeah. Uh, so ditto. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think reanimator <laughs> is a better film, but mm-hmm. like I said, I like, you need you need the background in Lovecraft to just be able to sit and like actually reflect on what's happening in it mm-hmm. to get the kind of cosmic horror elements because none of the characters on screen really portray that they're like mm-hmm. they're being jokey or they're being arch villains or you know it's mm-hmm. really not until the very end where Kane has to resurrect uh, Meg that it mm-hmm. uh, becomes you know like oh that's a that's a real feudal cycle that sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. but overall, like, yeah, event horizon takes enough stuff from other places and like, you have to sit there with like the, the, the way the characters are reflecting on their guilt. Uh, you mm-hmm. see Weir descend into the same madness that Herbert West does of like chasing unknowable knowledge and like mm-hmm. siding with his ship and siding against humanity for his ship to you know mm-hmm. spread mm-hmm. this evil oh, so, he's a very herbert west type yeah, yeah. i mean you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and i think you ju- i just think you get a little bit Here's more up. like especially from like the way justin like walks into the void and comes out like completely changed that's such I another like that great element bigger, i also like that it's a bigger story mm-hmm. frankly either yeah. than either of our movies like i do like 
Reanimator a lot more than Event Horizon for entertainment mm-hmm. purposes. But I do appreciate that Event Horizon is such a big story with huge catastrophic, um, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like it just ramifications of like ramifications. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is, is, is the word I was looking for. Yeah. yeah Cause like, yep. what if it comes back again? What if, you know, Oh yeah. You know, what if it makes mm-hmm. Neptune hell? You know, that's the other thing mm-hmm. is like, and, and like this, it's just like a real personal thing is like, this is so close to being a good doom movie. <laughs> because it's if a bunch of fucking demons came yeah, out of it yeah yeah, yeah. it's so close yeah. to being a good doom movie because there hasn't been a but good the rock's not even in thought, it at all i just had a thought too that i just realized that it's like how this is all very cyclical um the basically the what was the element to in event horizon the two what would they oh, call the it gravity um yeah uh, it like reminded it me of like, you know, I think the gravity or whatever. It, um, yeah. it reminded me of Prometheus. In oh, yeah. Essence, mm-hmm. essence, like that whole room. Oh, yeah. It yeah. got created for that. I like now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, there's all. It's just interesting how those things can become like, oh, I we borrowed this from here. But this is also great. Oh, yeah. Here. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Prometheus is, yeah. is definitely a a, a great example of a modern you know uh oh i fucking cosmic I actually liked i liked both of the newer alien movies too but yeah. anywho we don't have to go into that i, th- I thought there um, were good parts of covenant but like it ended so terribly i'm so mad sure yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i can agree with that actually but anyway um, stupid like maggie wins a lot though <laughs> anyway maggie won sorry i'm gonna i'm gonna drink my pickle beer right now um as my i pickle ate beer. my pickle <laughs> While you guys were telling me how much my movie was better than yours. So well, thank here's you. the thing is as soon as you pick, because I thought I really thought you were going to pick reanimator. But then when you picked possession, oh. I was like, oh, I'm fucked. Yeah, I'm fucked because I no, know Steve yeah. was not going to pick reanimator. You know what it was? <laughs> I think like when I saw it, um, I remember I think I don't know if I mentioned this off of that. Like I remember the first time watching it, it was just like with my ex Jordan and it was just like one of those like wake up in the morning put it on and I was just like fuck that's like spooky like what the fuck is going on so I think I have like an emotional attachment to like that sort of surprise Mm. in essence um and I think at that point too I don't think I had seen any of the Hellraisers yet even so I think I like having those innocent eyes (laughs) innocent eyes whatever Mm. um going into it i think allowed me to like have a different appreciation for what i saw this is one of those classic scenarios where you have the worst movie and you win (laughs) (laughs) she she has the she has the best representation of Of of, of the genre but i mean Yeah, yeah yeah our movies are better (laughs) <laughs> yeah I, I mean again I've, I already said that it's a great I, like, movie don't get me wrong these are all three yeah. like heavy yeah. hitters they're all really good movies yeah. don't get me wrong it's not like it's you know it's I mean not I like will it's a wa- I'll watch Event Horizon again at some point I might be more apt to watch Reanimator more often because mm-hmm. it's super fun mm-hmm. um, Possession can go fuck itself right now <laughs> I'm now tired of talking about it mm-hmm. just joking guys um, it was good it's a good episode so do you my question is uh do you do you have a that's all right that's all right so we will learn guys next uh, week 
what Meg's punishment episode will consist of. What she's going to pick uh, to uh, to to punish I've been Steve so and I. Conditioned to losing lately. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if, like, right now Meg is being a very. Maybe it's because we've been talking for like three and a half hours, but Meg is being a very gracious uh, champ right now. But. I have a feeling she's going to just come hard on the next episode. I am. Uh, she's full of enough pickles and beer that she's sedated, that she's not overly yeah, she, mean she's at the tired. moment. She's tired. She's been up since I'm, five in the morning. Yeah. Excuse me. I actually woke up at 2.45 today. What? Um, That's too early. I had to work at five this morning. I was up at 2.45. Pull it. Um, tomorrow I'll be up at 3.45. All right, you got to go to bed. You got to go to bed. We need to let Meg go, go to, to bed. bed, guys. Um, tune in <laughs> next week to learn what our punishment is going to be dealed out to us here in 2023, guys. It's going to be a whole dang year. That's the one thing I know about 2023. Whole dang year, beginning to end. Beginning to end. Meg just gave us the little uh, cactus jack <laughs> yeah, <laughs> symbol there. Um, uh one of my buddies just gave me a late birthday present and it was a, um, like, uh, I don't know how you call them, like embroidered cowboy type shirt, um, like a, that has a horse on either a shoulder rhinestone, and a like back. denim, like with the, like with Look the pearl buttons Instagram and everything stories, guys, you know? Yeah. Um, I'll, yeah, it's pretty sick. It was, uh, it was on brand. It has horses on, on it. <laughs> Meg is once a horse girl, always a horse girl. That's what I always say. Yeah, I mean, horses rule everything around me. Cream. Cream. <laughs> horses rule everything around now me. Now that's a shirt. And on that. Now that's and a on shirt. That is, horses rule everything around me. All right. And on that note, guys, for uh, the Halloween is forever crew. I'm Brian. I am your new fucking champ. <laughs> She's coming to life, guys. <laughs> and maybe, I'm terrified. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you later. Don't forget, horses rule everything around me. Bye. Cream.